Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball. Here's Sean Kleisinger. Well, that is Al Murdoch saying my name, Blaine Wyland. Man, it's an honor here. First day, kind of feels like Christmas morning in a way, you know? First yep. day of uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders rookie minicamp. And I'm looking at the forecast here going into the weekend. It's going to be hot in Saskatoon. So uh, lots of water. So not lots quite Christmas. Not quite, but uh, <laughs> we're almost there. All of our guests on today's show appear on the Western Pizza Hotline. Check your neighborhood Western Pizza for their pickup and uh, dine-in special. So, yeah, we're going to talk a whole lot of Saskatchewan Rough Riders today on this Wednesday. But also, we got to sneak in some NHL talk because we got some big-time hockey games tonight. I mean, two Canadian teams in action. You got the Toronto Maple Leafs. Will they get booted out of the playoffs tonight, or will they live to survive another day? We will see. And then shortly after that game, 8 p.m. puck drop tonight between... The Vegas Golden Knights and the Edmonton Oilers at uh, Rogers Place in Edmonton. And coming up at 5.05 on today's show, the color voice of the Edmonton Oilers, Bob Stoffer, will be hitting the airwaves and talking about uh, if the Edmonton Oilers are going to show up or not tonight. Because it's uh, hit or miss with them, apparently. It's either they play good hockey or they don't play good hockey. And there's literally nothing in between. So we're going to talk to Bob about that. And coming up on the other side of the break, uh, we're going to hear from West Cates because, as mentioned, yes, it's big day in Ryderville. And Ryderville carries up the Saskatoon because, yes, that's where training camp is happening. And that's where uh, rookie minicamp is happening as well. So West Cates will give his preliminary thoughts on training camp on day one of rookie minicamp. And uh, Mike Morielli will be joining us at the bottom of the clock of this hour, the CEO of the CEBL, because don't look now. But three weeks from today, basketball will be played at the Sastel Center in Saskatoon. The Saskatchewan Rush season's done. No playoffs for them. They suck too much this year, unfortunately. <laughs> so we're going to have a new team to look forward to uh, to watch at the Sastel Center, the Saskatchewan Rattlers. So we're going to talk to Mike Morielli at the bottom of the clock. And this is a juicy one. Really looking forward to this third-round draft pick. From your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Matt Dean will be joining us right at 4.05. York University product, and today was the very first day that he strapped on a professional football helmet. So there's probably a lot of emotions going through this young man's mind, and I can't wait to get him on the airwaves to talk all about it at 4.05. Bob Strum, former Pat's general manager as well, he's going to join us in the 4 o'clock hour. And Jordan Sisko on today's Where Are They Now segment. But yes, training camp, I keep saying training camp, it's rookie (laughs) training. Yeah, it's rookies today. But uh, Blaine, you're probably pretty excited, man, to get up to Saskatoon. I pulled up the uh, the forecast here. I'm looking at it right now with my two own with my own two eyeballs. Sunday plus 27, okay. Mm-hmm. Monday plus 30, and then Tuesday 
plus 30 again. Do you burn? You, you gotta, you gotta make sure you wear the sunscreen, my friend. <laughs> yeah, as you could see, as you could see firsthand, I don't, uh, tan. Yeah. It, it's pretty much white or red for me, uh, being a nice old ginger. But, uh, yeah, I will definitely be putting on the lotion that, next week. It's hard to believe what was it three weeks ago we had like a blizzard storm here? Yeah, I think so. I remember that. <laughs> I woke up one Less morning. I woke up one morning and it was, uh, I think minus, 10 degrees in our apartment and everyone was freezing <laughs> icicles everywhere so yep. what are you looking forward to most in this training camp man there's a whole lot of storylines of course i mean today's the day to really dive deep into it new quarterback new receivers new offensive coordinator a few new pieces on defense but uh what's kind of gonna be on your radar as uh, day one kicks off on sunday on sunday you know i definitely i think it's going to be the offensive line i think i speak for everyone for rider nation that's going to be the most scrutinized position uh leading up to the season and even when the season begins after last season you know the riders allowing those 77 sacks there's definitely going to be a lot of battles uh in camp i mean even even the starters are coming back from last year. You look at guys like Logan Furland and Evan Johnson. They're going to be battling with Phillips Blake if they're going to only go with uh, three Canadians on the offensive line. One of those guys could be the odd man out if they're going to go with the two American tackles. And plus those American tackles that they're bringing in too. There's a couple of uh, highly uh, drafted players from the NFL that are coming into camp as well. So a lot of competition in the offensive line. And obviously with uh, the pressure that's coming from the fan base, I think that's a position to watch uh, throughout training camp. And I think too, obviously, a lot of I've coming into work today, I kid you not, I saw... I'm going to assume they were husband and wife, but walking down Albert Street on the way to work today, Mm -hmm. a couple were wearing Trevor Harris jerseys, both of them. (laughs) So it's like this guy's already liked. He said that he's not going to be buying a house here in Regina until he makes the team. Like (laughs) this guy's like, how old? And he's like, how many years in the league has this guy been playing? That's pretty cool as far as uh, uh, leadership goes. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how Trevor Harris and this new offense kind of molds together for the most part because Kelly Jeffries coming in. It's always really interesting when you have a new offensive coordinator to go along with a new quarterback and the marriage of minds, if you will. I think that's going to be a good thing for this offense going into 2023 because, let's be honest, something wasn't right the past couple of years. They, We hear it all over the place that Jason Moss and Cody Fajardo, they apparently got along. But something was a bit off, so I'm looking forward to maybe you know taking a little turn on to a different track to see where this offense goes here this season, man. Yeah, definitely looking forward to a veteran presence, and that definitely is something they need is a veteran presence at quarterback because you know we mentioned just mentioned offensive line. There's a lot of new players going to be in that position. Going to be a brand new receiving core almost as well too. New American receivers as well, and they're going to be without uh, Keen Shea from Baker to start off the beginning of the season as well, so there's a lot of turnover in that offense, so it definitely does help to have a veteran like Trevor Harris uh, to guide the ship to begin the year. Yeah, and text us up, by the way, 306-936-6262. It's our text line. I want to hear your top three things that you're looking forward to most in training camp. Along with that, I want to hear uh, if the Oilers are going to show up tonight as well. I, I know there's a lot of Oilers fans out there as well, and we're going to talk all about it later on in the show tonight. But I know Michael, I know Ballsy, he's probably in his bunker right now. Mm-hmm. He's digging deep. He's digging deep, maybe ordering a Western pizza. We just had one yesterday, by the way. Another big uh, thank you goes out to Aaron Anderson uh, for bringing that in. Nice, tasty Western pizza. But uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you, Blaine. Okay, I'm not a huge. Ho- I'm not a huge hockey fan. I'm not an NHL expert. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm not an NHL expert. But 
I will tell you, I have watched a lot of NHL playoffs this season, and I'll tell you what, that Edmonton Oilers team, even though sometimes they don't show up to play, that is a pretty exciting hockey team to watch. I mean, they got a lot of great players. It kind of reminds... My dad actually told me, sometimes, no, I don't want this to sound goofy, but sometimes those Edmonton Oilers, they remind him of the old Montreal Canadiens. And when he said that, I was like, okay, well... uh so I want your like are the Oilers gonna do anything tonight or like they have to have better five on five play. Like their power play is outstanding. Mm-hmm. Whenever they get on the power play, you can basically just put one on the board, baby. You know what I mean? Yeah. But when it's even strength, they just get outworked. They get beaten. I almost feel like this is a game if the Oilers are gonna win, they're gonna get a power play early and score. Otherwise, if it's one of those games that goes zero zero or one one early, like throughout the game. Might be a little bit trouble, but I got a feeling, yeah, the, the power play has been the big key for them, and I think that's going to come up for them tonight if they do win. But, yeah, they do definitely have to be better on 5-on-5. Five five. Yeah, that's an 8 p.m. puck drop tonight. Edmonton Oilers at home against the Vegas Golden Knights. And once again, 306-936-6262 is the text line. Text us up your... Top three storylines going into training camp this year. What are you most looking forward to? I'll tell you what, we're looking forward to welcoming West Cates on the Western Pizza Hotline coming up on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. All right, back inside the sports cage. It's Sean Klasinger filling in for Michael Ball today. Zinger alongside my buddy Blaine Wyland taking us through this fine evening. And it is a fine day. I mean, the weather, it's warming up. And we have some Saskatchewan Rough Riders football. No, they're not games quite yet, but it's getting closer. Rookie camps open today up at Griffith Stadium in Saskatoon. And uh, we are indeed another day closer to kicking off that football, and that means we are another day closer to uh, welcoming our friend Wes Cates back into the lovely studio here. It's been a couple months <laughs> since we've seen Wes, but uh, we're going to talk with Wes right now on the Western Pizza Hotline. Wes, how you been doing, my friend? It's been a while. It's been a slice, if you will. Zanger, what's happening? I've been good, man. How's my favorite producer? No, I'm good, man. Uh, watching some NBA playoffs, have you been? I know you like to keep up with the rest of the sports yeah. scene. Yeah, man. It was a good Laker-Golden State game last night. Did you see Lakers-Warriors? That was mm-hmm. down to the wire. Yeah, I saw Walker, that one. Walker, I've been the young, the young 24-year-old yeah. stepped up. I'm still a bit in the fourth or something. Yeah, I'm still I'm still a bit salty because of my Milwaukee Bucks. They, uh, well, Giannis fell on his they tailbone. Got Jimmy butlered. Yeah, he they got butlered. Yeah, they got butlered. And then we fired our coach. The Bucks fired Mike Budenholzer a couple days ago too. So everything is just all. Oh, but yeah. The, yeah, the weather's warming up, and that means well, football season's here. It's the first day of Saskatchewan Rough Riders rookie camp today, Wes. And I know a lot of fans are really excited to see some of these new rookies, uh, not only in rookie camp, but also once a uh, training camp opens for real here on Sunday. And by the way, our own Michael Ball and Luke Mullinder, they will be up in Saskatoon starting on Sunday covering training camp. But uh, what do you make of some of these new rooks, man? I mean, everyone's a rookie at some point, and we have a, a new boatload of rookies making their way through the door. What did you make of uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders draft here in 2023? 
Yeah, I was interested. I mean, I guess uh, the offensive lineman went overall, but you got a, a, a wily looking D lineman. I can't think of his name right now, but uh, Lake, Lake. Uh, yeah, Lake Corte well, Moore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He. I mean, I was kind of looking at some of his highlights. I think uh, he's a nice sized kid. I love to see once he gets some good coaching, what type of technique he can add to his game. You know what I mean? I mean the 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 drafts. It seemed like we got we're a little heavy on the defensive side, so I kind of like that. It feels like um, you know they're definitely making sure Jason Shivers has the the bodies to kind of play around and maybe throw some some more Canadians in here and there and and kind of see how he can juggle that that uh, defensive side of the roster. See how much freedom. Uh, the coaching staff gives him, but um, I think they'll be all right. Young guys, you don't really expect them to play. So, I mean, considering some of the guys that uh, we're bringing back, the secondary seems like it's still pretty thick. I know maybe there's a few holes to fill uh, as far as uh, linebacker depth and up front, but I guess we'll just have to kind of see how that plays out. Yeah, I really liked uh, the Riders' seventh-round pick, Nick Thomas, uh, linebacker from the University of Manitoba. We're talking about a guy. We had him on the cage. Uh, I think that was last week. But uh, this guy has been living on his own since he was in grade 10. He was living with his uh, sister. I mean, talk about adversity. And the only reason I think he slipped down to, uh, in the seventh round is because he had that Liz Frank injury. He injured his foot last year. So I think that might be it might be the steal of the draft. And I'm looking across the board here. I'm looking at the depth chart. You know, I'm doing all the nerdy, geeky things. And I'm thinking to myself, I just wonder how this team is going to, you know, look on opening day. Have you kind of had a chance yet to kind of go through who you're going to be starting? If you were the head guy at each receiver spot here and there, maybe you're starting five offensive linemen. Have you given that any thought yet, Wes? Well, definitely up front, I don't think anything's safe to kind of assume. So I really haven't, you know, you got to kind of go through camp, really see who kind of makes it through camp. It's a grind, and there's always some unexpected injuries and things of that nature. So, you know, I I wouldn't really try to get ahead of myself as far as looking at who's going to come out of the pack. Mm -hmm. But I don't – it's tough to say. I mean, you hope Furland steps up, you know, and kind of leads that group. And then, you know, there's guys like uh, Blake that maybe and Bandy that you're kind of expecting to also kind of make make a move and be more consistent. But uh, it's just tough to say up front. And wide receiver-wise, it seems like now that we have a quarterback that it looks like is going to be able – to just get the ball in the hands of your playmakers quickly, I'm really excited to see kind of who settles in and really shows us something. I think what I saw from uh, Samuel Emelis last year, I thought that it was kind of unfair to really judge him as not as as being a bust, considering the how pedestrian the passing game was for various reasons. Right, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Mitchell Pickton, definitely a guy that when he had a chance stepped in there and. And, and made some exciting plays. My favorite guy that kind of got the light shined on him occasionally was Tevin Jones. Mm-hmm. I really like his, I really like his body type, and I really like the way he played when he got his chances. So I kind of want to see kind of where he falls into place. And uh, yeah, man, I guess from yep. there, Schaefer Baker. Obviously, everybody wants to 
see him keep being, you know, yep. the safe and big that he is and, and making big plays. So I think as far as wide, wide receivers go, I think we're good. The offensive line really need them to kind of have some guys step up so that this offense can get going. And with, you know, new offense coordinator, new quarterback, you know, it's kind of, you don't know what you're going to get, but sky's the limit, you know, got to think positive. How do you feel about uh, West Cates, by the way, Riders legend with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. How do you feel about uh, the defense going into this year? Because there's a whole lot of talk right now, and rightfully so, about the offense because we got a brand new offensive coordinator, Kelly Jeffrey, brand new quarterback, brand new wide receivers. But how about this defense? We're talking about a defense that I, where I feel like started off like pretty good last year, and I feel like it was kind of like tailing, you know, tailing down towards the end of the year. Like you, mm-hmm. you got to believe Jason Shivers. He needs a good year from his group. How do you feel about uh, the defense going into this year? Because there hasn't been, I feel like. Not a whole lot of chatter about them. Yeah, I think because everybody knows that they just spent way too much time on the field last year. I mm-hmm. think the beginning of the se- season, the defense was kind of impressive, and then you kind of started having some issues with, uh, you know, we had one of the best D linemen kind of uh, have quite the episode, and then you're short up front, and, and then kind of things seem to fall apart from there as the offense just struggled to move the ball and the yeah. defense stayed out there, right? So I think um I'm a big fan of Jason Shivers, I'm gonna be honest. He's a great mind. I think he was a great player when he when he played and I think he just understands the game and understands, you know, players and and how to put them in a position to be successful. So I mean, I really think, you know, you got Larry Dean still hopefully playing at a high level and and Moncrief and and just if you can rally around those guys and get guys to just play their position and know their roles and I think they're going to be exceptional again, right? I mean, I guess we got to see, like I said, how how guys come into camp. Are they in shape? Are they still looking like uh, the guys that we know? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely I find from year to year, especially at the defensive back position, that's that's a definite. Uh, thing that kind of changes guys maybe lose a step but you know is Nick Marshall going to still uh come back and be that big playmaker is he going to give up too many big plays like last year seemed like he was maybe a bit more of a liability Roland Milligan was always I think a guy that just kept getting better every game Mm -hmm. you know what I mean so I think there's just definitely guys at every position even Jeremy Clark you know you think about a guy that kind of, you know, was up and down off the roster, played at different positions, but uh, seemed to always go out there and make plays. So I think, uh, yeah, defensive-wise, I think it's just one of those things where maybe those guys just don't get the same amount of praise, but I feel like with Jason Shivers and all the athletes that are back there, I think the defense is going to be fine. Man, this has been awesome. Cannot wait to see you in studio here for the very first pregame show of the year, roundtable, you name it. Riders legend number 20, Wes Cates, joining us here on the Western Pizza Hotline. Thanks, Wes. We'll see you soon, my friend. For sure, Clyde. Always my pleasure, man. 
3.30 inside the sports cage with your sports ticker. The Toronto Blue Jays taking on the Philadelphia Phillies right now in a matinee affair at Citizens Bank Ballpark in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And how about them Jays? Well, I know they lost last night, but they have a one to nothing lead right now thanks to Brandon Belt's solo homer. That was his uh, second home run of the season. So the Blue Jays with a one to nothing lead in the top of the sixth. Already was talking about this, but hey, Two big NHL games tonight. Two Canadian teams in action. The Toronto Maple Leafs taking on the Florida Panthers. Will the Leafs get eliminated or will they live to see another day? And then later on tonight, 8 p.m. puck drop. Vegas Golden Knights taking on the Edmonton Oilers. We're sitting courtside to bring you the latest on professional basketball in Saskatchewan. This is your Rattlers Report. Yeah, here we go with the first Rattler report of the season. The Saskatchewan Rush season is in the books, and now we have some basketball, some summertime basketball to look forward to at the Sastel Center. And we need a little more than a minute or two to talk with this next guest. So it's an extended edition, a very special edition of the Rattler Report to kick off this CEBL season. Mike Morielli, the CEO of the CEBL, on deck, and he's coming up right now. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Wednesday inside the sports cage, I'm Sean Kleisinger filling in for Michael Ball, Blaine Wyland, my buddy Blaine Wyland across the board with me here. First day of Riders rookie camp today at Griffith Stadium. In uh, Saskatoon and a football season, it's in the air. You can just tell when you walk outside. And that also means the Canadian Elite Basketball League is uh, getting set to fire on up here. And the CEO of the CEBL, Grey Cup champion with the Hamilton Tiger Cats back in 1999, Mike Morielli with me on the Western Pizza Hotline. Uh, Mike, it's great to have you on the on the show again. I was doing some counting in my head today, the 2023 CEBL season will be the fifth season already for the league. Did I do my math correct? It's kind of confusing with uh, COVID. You are correct. Yeah, we launched late 2017, but didn't start playing um, into 2019, and, and now going into our fifth season. So it's uh, yes, it's been remarkable. It's gone by incredibly quickly, and and uh, a lot of uh, trials, tribulations, and successes along the way. We're really excited about our year five. Yeah, and I love the news that uh, rolled in a few months ago. Live coverage of select CEBL games will be broadcasted on TSN and I believe TSN Plus as well throughout the season here, and uh, including the championship weekend uh, as well. Has has this been a goal for the league in the recent years to land a deal like this, or how did the deal come to be? Yeah, it definitely has been. Obviously, when when you're first starting out, you are are trying to make a name for yourself in, in more ways than one. And we had a really good partner um, starting out the gate early in CBC, being able to deliver, you know, usually seven to ten broadcasts, the live broadcast a year, and, and you know, fifty plus games on their uh, digital network, and that that grew over time. And then we just 
you know, we, we really always wanted that home base on a, you know, bona fide sports station where, you know, sports people go not only to watch basketball, but watch any sport really as a, as a destination for information and live games and, and TSN and in uh, our opinion was the right place to go. Um, so we're really excited about it. It's a three year deal to two plus one. So, uh, you know, we're excited about this year and then building it as we continue to go along as well. And I know for fans that maybe live just a bit out of the market, like a few hours away, like down here in Regina, it's always pretty cool to see like a city like Saskatoon getting broadcasted on national TV. Saw a few games this past season for the Saskatchewan Rush on TSN, uh, NLL. And uh, going into the deal, do you have a goal on what you, you know, realistically want the ratings to look like? Or is it kind of more than the ratings? Is there, is there something more that you're looking at when it comes to this uh, TV deal? Well, I mean, obviously, ratings are important mm-hmm. in terms of what we're able to then, you know, sell to partners and to, you know, bigger deals in the future, uh, for instance. But they're not the be-all and end-all. I, I think, you know, we we want to uh, build off of what we've done at CBC. Now that we're on a, on a dedicated sports station on TSN, you know, the, the sports leader. Um, so we want to build on the momentum that they bring. But we also just want to get more eyeballs on our product. And, um, you know, I, we have done a really good job in, in finding players attracting players that are high high quality guys that have gone on to the nba um and you know it's it's a it's something to your point that you're watching anywhere in this country you get a chance to watch cbl basketball in in a prime time uh way on a prime time station so that and dedicating a couple nights a week you know tuesdays or wednesdays to cbl games of the week are really good to increase our following uh, over the next little bit so yeah, we're going into our fifth season here. Do you feel like uh, the league has really, you know, picked up its steam, if you will? Like, you know, just starting out, sometimes it could be kind of difficult, but we're well into things now. I mean, this is year five. Do you feel like, you know, the attraction level is starting to pick up across the country? Without a doubt. I mean, you know, year, year five going into year this year has been a really monumental year for us. We saw some some locations of our markets change, some by choice, some by just the need to, you know, relocate due to arena issues or what have you. But we've now, you know, planted ourselves in, you know, some of the biggest markets in the country and almost mimicking what, what the CFL has, has done for, for a century. So, you know, in that case, yeah, we've certainly grown a lot in, in a relatively short period of time. And that growth took place during, you know, two years of COVID. Uh, so last year almost felt like another coming out party where it was getting back to a little bit of normal. But this year just has the, the feeling and the, the energy that it's going to be great right out the gate. And we're going to have a fantastic spring and summer season. Yeah, CEO of the CEBL, Mike Morreale on the Western Pizza Hotline. And kind of mentioned that there a few franchises have uh, changed locations. Maybe set the field for us if you can, Mike. What are the divisions looking like this year uh, for fans of the Saskatchewan Rattlers and of the CEBL? For sure. Yeah, we're, we are the largest pro uh, domestic league in, in the entire country at 10 teams. Uh, we're in six different provinces starting in um, with two divisions this year for the first time. And that uh, that conference model is really going to help us um, really kind of continue to grow our league, build the rivalries, etc. So in the West, you're looking at Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, and Saskatoon. So pretty, pretty uh Pretty crowded marketplace there and exciting to, to build on those rivalries that have been created in other sports. And then in the East, we have uh, Niagara, Brampton, Scarborough, Ottawa, and Montreal. And, you know, again, you know, really strong center of, of 
teams in multiple provinces and we're just we're really thankful for the ability to to you know be where we're at and be able to attract players and players to believe in us and coaches and GMs and and everybody to to realize that this has really become a destination where you can achieve success. Yeah, I can't wait. Saskatchewan Rattlers season opener three weeks from today in Vancouver versus those Bandits, and then the home opener is uh, Saturday, June third against the Niagara. River Lions tickets on sale right now at uh, the Rattlers.ca. 1999 Grey Cup champion Mike Morielli on the Western Pizza Hotline for a few more moments here. How about them Tiger Cats? I got to get you a. I got to get a quick comment about the Tiger Cats. Rookie camps are underway today. A lot of excitement about uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats this year for obvious reasons. Mike, uh, Bo Levi <laughs> Mitchell, maybe. Has to yeah, be I was at an event yesterday as a kind of a prelude to uh, today's uh, training camp start, and, and saw Bo Levi there and had a chance to speak to him and and see some of the supporters of the Cats and Orlando Steinauer, who of course was a former teammate. So the the expectations are high with the great. Up being there and you know with with Bo making the, the trek over there so uh, people are anxious they're excited and I think you know this would be another solid year for the Cats you know personally speaking I'd love to see them go the whole way with the Grey Cup yeah. being in their backyard maybe against Saskatchewan we'll see oh, how plays out. but hey the Thai Cats won't be playing their riders at Tim Hortons Field this year in the regular season but maybe uh, maybe the Grey Cup like you said uh, I think it's November 19th this year so uh, that would that would be something though thanks for your time today Mike Morielli, CEO of the CEBL, and uh, can't wait to watch some Saskatchewan Rattlers on TSN this year. It's going to be awesome. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. Much appreciated. All right, yes. Always love to have Mike Mike Morielli on the Western Pizza Hotline. Have you ever been to a Rattler game in Saskatoon, Blaine? I have not. When I was a kid, though, we had a basketball net. We had the old Saskatchewan Storm. Ooh. We had that as our backboard for a basketball net back in the day. What was the storm again? There were so many different teams that have come and gone in this province. What league were they in? Was that was that an actual team? The that Saskatoon was team. Storm that was like early, sounds made up, like a Disney 90s. book or something. Well, they were thought. I think that was the World Basketball League, I believe. World Basketball League, because that was before the Saskatoon Slam. So, oh, I like that name they, <laughs> because they had like more. Uh, I want to say like uh, 90s neon colors. I remember the slam colors. The storm was like a basketball net or a half basketball with a storm writing with a thunderbolt. Well, hopefully the CEBL lasts a bit longer than whatever league the slam and the storm were playing in because uh, I love watching it. And it's going to be fun this year to uh, check it out on TSN throughout the season. I, I was talking with Ballsy about this the other day. It's always really cool to kind of sit back and see like a a nice visual of Regina and Saskatoon on national television. We've seen it a couple times now, of course, with like the World Juniors, Briar. But you know, we're small town Canada. We're not Toronto. We don't see our city broadcasted on national television every single day, right? So anytime you have the opportunity to have a a local team in the province on national television, it's a Always uh, got to go a long way. Sticking with basketball, two games in the NBA playoffs tonight. Kind of surprising, Blaine, but <laughs> the Lakers, they can eliminate the defending champs, the Golden State Warriors tonight. They're up three games to one, but let's be honest. It's got to take a big-time effort if they're going to do so because uh, tonight's game five is indeed in San Francisco in that brand-new shiny venue that they built on the bay there in San Francisco. And the Miami Heat... 
They will also try to punch their ticket to the conference championship round. Uh, up 3-1 on the next game five tonight at MSG. Have you been watching any of this NBA playoffs? or Do you have an NBA team, by the way? You're not a Raptors supporter. Huh? I might have to kick you out the door if you, do, if you say that. You know, I was more into Jordan. That was okay. that was my prime basketball watching. Mm-hmm. I did go to the, I did go to the Chase Center uh, in December. Seen the uh, Golden State Warriors and the the Bulls play. So that was pretty good. That How was, was good, that arena? I just mentioned really it's brand, nice. It's brand new. Yeah. What, what was it like? Was it kind of like a museum? Let me tell you this: all these new stadiums these days, whether it's NFL stadium, basketball arena, hockey arena, you name it, they're all like the same. They're all just brand new, shiny, and it just lacks. You know, character. Yeah, I don't like it. Give me a Fenway Park. Give me a Wrigley Field. Give me a Taylor Field. All these new venues, man, they're all the same. And it's we're going to come to a point where every single stadium, it's going to feel like you're at the same location. But with that said, I regress. What was the arena like? <laughs> it was very nice. You know, especially those indoor facilities they are all the same. The baseball stadiums, you can get a little bit more creative, it seems like. And they're more yeah. their own experience. But, uh, you know, it is a nice arena. I would say I would. Trying to compare it to Phoenix because uh-huh. I've been to that one as well. It is a bigger version of Phoenix's arena. Um, big scoreboard. I remember that. It was really nice. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Like uh, definitely a good place and a good area. It's right by, like as you said, right by the bay in San Francisco. Pretty close to the Ball Diamond. Yeah, and you sparked my memory here. You mentioned baseball stadium. I saw something yesterday. Now this is the most ridiculous thing I think I've seen in a while because professional baseball in Florida. It just it doesn't work, okay? And I saw that the city of Orlando, mm-hmm. they want to build a brand new ballpark and they either want to move the Rays from Tampa to Orlando or they want an expansion team. First of all, nobody goes to games in Miami. I think like they're pretty much dead last behind the Oakland Athletics, of course, every single year. Tampa Bay, you could probably say maybe they'll get more fans if they had a nicer venue because they have a really good uh, team they field every single year yeah. in Tampa at the Tropicana Field. That's a place to dump, right? But like that is one of the worst ideas ever. If you want an expansion team in the majors, I could probably give you like three cities that you do not want to go to, and I think Orlando would be in there. I don't think professional baseball works in in Florida, but uh, what do I? What do I, I don't know? think they're going to get an expansion one, but I could see that maybe the Rays. Like baseball's been talking about expansion, but they said they got to wait till the A's and the oh, Rays situation. It's so up. exhausting. It's so exhausting, isn't it? it I, every it, single year we hear like we get. I don't think we've had a, an expansion team in, in the majors since 1998 when the Rays and the Diamondbacks uh, came in. Of course, then it was the Devil Rays. Yeah. But every single year, it seems like expansion, expansion, like expansion is not happening. And it makes you think, is it is it because is there a problem with the, the game itself? Is there a problem with the owners? Like we've seen expansion uh, in the NHL. We've seen expansion in the National Football League since then. 2002 with the Houston Texans, I believe. 2002 was the was the year for them. But the Major League Baseball, I don't know what. Just come to me when they're going to move a team to Montreal because I'm sick of reading all that every single year because it's not going to happen. Well, no new teams are happening. Yeah, I think they got to figure out the Rays. And while at least we're moving past the scenario where they're going to split the Rays in Montreal, that was that 
theory that was going on for a while. Or Oh, man, that was awful, by the way. I, I think once I figured out the Rays, because I think they want to get 32 teams, because right now they got 30 teams. You got 15 teams in each division, although it's a little bit different now because, you know, American League, National League is not so different with the designated hitter, yep. pitchers hitting That's anymore. So it's not that big of a deal when they play interleague anymore, but I think they want to get 32, 32 teams is the perfect number in sports. Mm-hmm. You can have 16 teams in a division, four divisions by four if you want. And so I think that's the number that they want to go for, but they got to figure out Tampa Bay first. Yeah, four divisions by four, just like the National Football League has. And today, the National Football League, they announced their NFL International schedule. Of course, the main schedule, the regular season schedule, will be dropped tomorrow. But we'll, we'll go through some of the, the big games that were announced today, the NFL. International Series on the other side of the break. And a little bit of a, I don't know, a teaser. Big surprise. The Jacksonville Jaguars are featured in uh, a couple of the games. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sean Kleisinger in for Michael Ball today, alongside my good buddy Blaine Wyland. And a friendly reminder to you that coming up here on Sunday, a very special edition of the Sports Cage will be airing right on these very airwaves to kick off the quote-unquote official start of training camp. Because, yes, the main camp starts on Sunday, so 9 a.m., on Sunday from 9 to 10, a very special edition of the Sports Cage will be broadcasted live from Griffith Stadium in Saskatoon. Michael Ball, Luke Mullinder will be there to kind of set the scene. And uh, hopefully they drink lots of fluids because, like I said, <clears throat> excuse me, to kick off the show. <clears throat> man, first time doing this show and then I lose my voice about 45 minutes in. No, I'm just kidding. But... uh as I mentioned to kick off the show, it's going to be very hot on Sunday, Mr. Blaine Wyland. So hopefully uh, Michael Ball and Luke Mullinder, they wear their sunscreen. They do all that good stuff. We uh, also kicked off the show opening up the text line asking some of the uh, main storylines to look for in training camp. But also last segment, we were talking about uh, uh, arenas and stuff. And I asked you, Mr. Blaine Wyland, if you've ever been to a Saskatchewan Rattlers game. And you said no, but uh, hey, there's more than just you and I here in Saskatchewan, so the people have spoken on the text line. Even outside of Saskatchewan, we got a text from TC in Medicine Hat who said he sat at a courtside last year at a Rattlers game. Terrific game experience and had a blast. And I've heard that from a couple people, too, that have gone to games and said it's been, you know, really good, uh, a really good uh, fan interactive experience with the Rattler games. Yeah, and looking forward to that one. I believe the Rattlers season opener is uh, it's not coming up until June, but uh, would love to go up there to catch a game this year. And uh, maybe a lot of people are going to start planning to see some NFL action live because the schedule officially drops tomorrow. But today we got a bit of a tease, a little bit of a taste of the NFL schedule today. The international schedule has been released on October 1st. The Falcons will take on the Jags at Wembley Stadium in London, England. October 8th, the Jags and Bills will hit the field at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. October 15th, the Ravens and Titans also at Hotspur Stadium. Lamar Jackson and his fresh deal. Maybe he can, uh, I don't know, throw some dollar bills in the crowd in London. Who knows? Probably not going to happen. Then on November 5th, hey, that's my mom's birthday, the Dolphins and Chiefs in uh, Frankfurt. And I think I'm missing another game. Yeah. Also uh, coming up in Frankfurt, November 12th, 
Colts and Patriots. So there's five international games altogether, three in England and uh, two in Germany. And if my memory serves me correct, and I, I don't know if it does because I forget things on the daily, Mr. Blaine <laughs> Wyland. But last year, I believe the Buccaneers and the Seattle Seahawks played the first ever game in Germany. And that one happened at the Allianz Arena in Munich, the home of FC Bayern München, or if you want to say it in the English word, uh, wording, FC Bayern Munich. And uh, I know German fans love love their uh, American football. I was recently just in England, and uh, I ran into someone from Germany, and he said that he went to that game last year in Munich between uh, the Bucks and Seahawks, and he said he instantly fell in love with it. And then I kind of just started think to, thinking to myself, now, I don't want to beat a dead horse when I talk about this, but... It's time to just forget about this global initiative because let's be honest, man. Five NFL games are going to be completely sold out coming up here. You have people already in Europe, you know, telling randoms like myself that they love the National Football League. Do you think I'm going to run into anybody overseas that's going to be like, yeah, you see that Hansen? On the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, that special teams player, Matt, he made a really good tackle on Friday Night Football last week. I want to be like him. I want to play special teams like him. You know what I mean? Like, enough's enough. Not only that, it brings in no revenue whatsoever. And yes, I am beating a dead horse when I'm talking about this. But do you share the same sentiment as myself? Or where's your mindset? You might have talked about this with Ballsy when I wasn't here, but... What's your taste? In terms of the CFL and the global? Yeah, I can understand. Yeah, the global. Yeah, like in terms of the, the CFL making kind of their push in the global initiative, I do think that football as a whole kind of needs to make that, you know, the effort to expand the grassroots. But in terms of how the CFL, like, I can understand, like, uh, you know, the requirement of the players getting in there and how much it costs. Probably better serve for Canadians. I get that. I do think more on the NFL scale, what they're doing, it kind of going on the grassroots level and trying to explore the game that way is kind of a, important. But yeah, I understand in terms of the CFL level, in terms of taking the positions out and kind of bringing it in. It's in terms of the dollars and cents. Yeah, I get it. But it's football is kind of a hard sport to develop on a global level too. It's not like uh, we can have like a international football tournament. You know what I mean? We can't have like a World Cup. Well, I'll tell you what the CFL can do if they actually are serious about this thing. You gotta, you gotta do the work. You gotta go to a different country and play a game. You know, you just can't have kicking camps down in in SoCal. Like that's not growing anything. You gotta go down to Mexico City. You gotta go down to whatever and play a preseason game. Play a game. Get people to come to watch the product because that's the way you get fans, man. You're not gonna get fans by holding kicking camps and having global drafts, drafting 45 year old kickers. You know what I mean? That's not gonna work. So no, that's better. You know what? You're better. You off. gotta, you gotta cancel it, right? No, no, you're better off having exhibition games in places like Saskatoon, Kamloops, Guelph. You know what I mean? Mm. Have That's where they should be kind of exploring those exhibition games, like stuff like that. Yeah. I promised myself I wasn't going to get too amped up <laughs> about this today, but here I am. More NFL news today. I saw this going across the wire. Ex-Raider wide receiver Henry Ruggs. He has pleaded guilty for that fatal DUI crash in Las Vegas. He faces three to ten years in prison. And... uh I'm not going to say I feel sorry for the guy because I don't. I don't feel sorry for Henry Ruggs. It is a shame, though, on the other hand, that this guy's football career 
has gone to waste. But who cares about his football yeah. career? You know, like who cares about that? It's just I had to Google. I had to convert because he was driving 150 miles per hour, mm-hmm. and I was like. How fast is that kilometers? Mm, that's about two, two, uh, two, 250. 250. 250 kilometers per hour. That is, uh, so yeah, you're, you're not going to see Henry Ruggs anytime soon no. on the football field and probably, <laughs> probably never. Uh, Major League Baseball have a score update. Well, it's not much of an update. The Toronto Blue Jays, they're taking on the Philadelphia Phillies right now. It's one to nothing, bottom of the seventh. Blue Jays, they lost last night, and I don't know what's going on with their pitchers, okay? I don't know what's going on with Alec Manoa. Uh, I don't know what's going on. Our buddy Eric Swanson, he started off the season pretty good, and you know he's been kind of getting beat around a bit the last couple games. So it's still early. Baseball is the ultimate test of the mind, Mr. Blaine Wyland. Oh, I mean, we got swept. I say we because we're Blue Jay fans <laughs> around here. We got swept against uh, the Red Sox. We sweep the Pirates, and now it's kind of off and on and with the, the Phillies. In 20 seconds, do you think? Do you think the Blue Jays? Uh, are we going to make the playoffs? Can you just I, tell me that I, at least? I feel playoffs. I'm confident in playoffs, but that is such a tough division. Yeah, such a tough division. It really is. Wednesday in the sports cage coming up on the other side of the 4 o'clock news. We are going to head to Saskatoon because, yes, very beautiful day in Ryderville. Not only is Ryderville Regina, but Ryderville is up in Saskatoon. Ryder's rookie camp started today, and we're going to catch up with the third-round draft pick from your Saskatchewan Rough Riders from York uh, York University, Matt Dean, on the Western Pizza Hotline. That's on the other side of the news. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Sean Kleisinger. Here we go, hour two in the Sports Cage. Sean Kleisinger with you, filling in for Michael Ball as Ballsy. I'm sure he's in his bunker right now. He's getting set for the Edmonton Oilers and Vegas Golden Knights tonight. Will Edmonton get their act together and start playing some hockey? Or are they going to fall on their buttocks some more at the blue line again tonight. We shall see. It's either one or the other. There's nothing in between for this team. So we're going to see tonight what Edmonton Oilers team shows up. It's at 8 p.m. Puck Trump. Love those late-time starts. All of our guests on today's show, as always, appear on the Western Pizza Hotline. Check your neighborhood Western Pizza for their pickup and dine-in specials. And yes, today is a very big day, not only because it's hockey time, playoff time, but it's the first day of Saskatchewan Rough Riders rookie mini camp. The first day in the books, and for these rookies, it's the first day strapping on a professional football helmet. And we're going to head out on that Western Pizza hotline now and chat with third-round draft pick from this year's CFL draft, Matt Dean, who joins us. How did it feel wearing uh, the green and white for the first time on the field today? Way different colors than what you don at uh, York University. Yeah, it's definitely different different than my uh, red and white, but I love it, honestly. Beautiful jerseys. Love the team here. I'm just ready to get working. And I know Ryder Nation is, uh, they're wondering what number Matt Dean will be wearing this season. What digit were you uh, rocking on the field today? Uh, Today I was wearing 75, but I'm not sure if that'll be my number going forward, but that's what I'm wearing right now in camp. Right. And uh, did you have a few numbers uh, to pick from, or was it just assigned to you at this point, first day of rookie camp? Uh, it was just assigned to me. Yeah. You know, I'm a rookie, so I know I really got to 
yeah. work for things here. You know, it doesn't really get handed to me like that, so I'm just ready to work in, uh, in my spot here. Linebacker Matt Dean on the Western Pizza Hotline. Matt, you had a nice career with uh, York University. Unfortunately for the team, though, uh, you guys did not you know, win a lot of games. How difficult was that for yourself to stay motivated and uh, to do all the you know little things to get to the next level when the team you play for is not having any success? Um, you know, it's definitely tough when your team's losing, but at the end of the day, you know, you just got to stay focused. And, like, playing playing uh, pro football was something I always wanted to do. So, like, always kept that in my mind, like, every off season, you know, working out and training and stuff. Like, never really, like, determined how hard I was working. I was always just kind of, like, my vision playing pro football. Did you ever have any visions of uh, what team that you were going to land on? Like, did you ever think that you would end up in Saskatchewan, Canada, being an East Coast kid? Um, honestly, like through the whole draft process, I was okay with going anywhere. Like I was just accepting the journey of the whole thing mm-hmm. and just realizing like it could be anywhere in Canada. Like I never really came out West before, but, uh, ever since being out here, like it's definitely nice and I think I can get used to. Yeah. Round three, 21st pick overall. What was that process like for you on a uh, draft day? Just waiting to see, you know, which team you would go to. Do you have any kind of like a draft day story? What were you doing uh, when you found out that you got picked by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders? Yeah, I had a draft party at my sister's house and, uh, you know, I had a bunch of family and friends over and like I was watching the first two rounds on TV and then like a cutout for rounds three to eight and I actually missed the broadcasting of the beginning of it because I was trying to pull up the stream and then all of a sudden my phone just started like going off bunch of notifications saying I got drafted and I checked the draft list 21st Saskatchewan and then uh, the coaches gave me a call and I was talking to them but yeah it was just a great time honestly good experience for sure I'm happy where I landed yes yeah, so, so you mentioned this is your first time out west so I'm assuming this is your first time in the province of Saskatchewan yes sir I've never been out here before yeah. it's my first time have you been able to make it down to Mosaic Stadium here in Regina or was it just straight to Saskatoon when you got into the province it was just straight to Saskatoon for me. Like I haven't really explored too much of Saskatoon either. I've just been at the university here for camp, but hopefully, you know, as the season goes on, I'll be able to get down to Regina, see the stadium, and see the province a little more. Yeah, are you excited to see the new Mosaic Stadium? Because let's be honest, the stadium here in our own backyard is probably, well, not probably, it is the nicest football stadium in the country. And I'm sure that you've heard stories of like all the great facilities uh, that Mosaic Stadium has. You must be excited to kind of get your feet wet down here at Mosaic. Oh, I'm so excited. Like all I've heard stories and seen pictures, but I can't wait to step foot on that field, see the facilities and all that. Yeah, and uh, so first day of camp of rookies is done, man. And uh, was there anything that kind of caught you by surprise today, or was it all pretty much what you expected? Um, a lot of it was what I expected. Like, I talked to a couple other of my former teammates who were in the league and just kind of tried to get, like, a good idea of what happens at rookie camp and kind of what they're mentally prepared for. So I felt like I was pretty prepared and felt like I had a pretty good day today. So what kind of player is Matt Dean? What can Saskatchewan Rough Rider fans expect to see here in 2023? I'm a fast, physical, versatile linebacker. Um, I can do a lot of different things in the coverage game, the run game, pass rushing. So they can just expect a lot of different things out of me. I feel like I'm a Swiss Army Knight in my position. Has the coaching staff sat down with you yet to kind of go through what your role will be? You know, will it be on defense to start? Are you going to make your way onto defense through special teams? Or is it just kind of like, okay, hold up here. A bit too early. It's first day of rookie camp. Just let me get my feet wet a bit here. Um, it's something we haven't really talked about yet. Yeah. Obviously, I'm still just first day in uh, rookie camp, so I still just got to earn my way on the team and things like that. But, uh, you know, we start 
the full regular camp. I'm just ready to compete for a spot in any way possible. Matt Dean with me on the Western Pizza Hotline. So what does uh, the rest of the day uh, look like for you, my friend, before you do it all again tomorrow? I'm about to hit the ice tubs and then grab some lunch. Then we got some meetings later. So after lunch, I'm just going to relax for a little bit, get ready for meetings, and then lock in for tomorrow. Right on. The life of a pro, Matt Dean, linebacker from the University of York. Thank you for your time today, my friend. Cannot wait to welcome you here in Regina down at Mosaic Stadium. And uh, best of luck for the 2023 season. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. Yes, absolutely. Cannot wait for you to come on down to Mosaic Stadium here in Regina. And, man, it kind of feels surreal in a way that uh, the season, the Saskatchewan Rough Rider season is here. The official start of training camp, main camp, is on Sunday. And remember to set your reminders on your phone. A very special edition of the Sports Cage will be airing on Sunday morning right at 9 a.m. Because why? Well, we're the home of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and there's literally no other place to go to for CFL news, for Saskatchewan Rough Rider news. So we're going to kick off training camp alongside you on these airwaves right at 9 a.m., 9 to 10 a.m. Sunday morning with Michael Ball and Luke Mullinder live from Griffith Stadium in Saskatoon. Coming up later on this hour, where are they now with former Saskatchewan Rough Riders receiver Jordan Sisko? That and so much more here on Wednesday's edition of the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Still one nothing Blue Jays over the Philadelphia Phillies, bottom of the eighth. Blue Jays trying to pick up a win after uh, they fell last night to those uh, same Phillies. Brandon Belt with a home run for the Bluebirds. So that's his second home run of the season. So hopefully the Blue Jays, if, well, I say hopefully. If you're a Blue Jay fan, you're saying hopefully they can hang on um, to this uh, slight lead. We've got two big games in the National Hockey League tonight, of course. The Edmonton Oilers, they will try to get back in their series at home against the Vegas Golden Knights and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Will they be eliminated tonight? Maybe. You just never know. And uh, they're taking on the Florida Panthers here. And uh, I think that's a 5 p.m. puck drop tonight. Something like that. Yeah, I believe so. 5 p.m. puck drop. And uh, had to rearrange some things on the schedule. Going to be bumping up Bob Strump to 435. And then we're going to air Jordan Sisko. Jordan Sisko is going to join us at uh, 530. So Bob Strum, former general manager for your Regina Pats. He was the GM the last time. Uh, Regina Pat went first overall in the NHL draft. That would be Doug Wickenheiser. Doug Wickenheiser, first overall in 1980 to the Montreal Canadiens. Fun fact that probably uh, no one will, well, people will care about that fact, but fun fact that probably no one will care about is that I won a minor hockey championship at the Doug Wickenheiser <laughs> Arena in the year 2004. And then I hung up the skates after that, and then I felt the burn in my belly about a year or two later, and I came back, played some house hockey. Didn't like it because people just went from my head every single shift, and then I was like, I'm not doing this. This is malarkey. I'm not uh, I'm not playing hockey anymore. So uh, that's the lineup coming up here in a few minutes. Bob Strum will be uh, joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Uh, check your neighborhood Western Pizza for their pickup and dine-in specials. 
All right, Sports Cage traffic alert, Blaine Wyland. We have some traffic info floating through uh, the wind right now. Looks like there's a little accident. Uh, accident southbound on Albert Street. It's just past college uh, by the museum entrance, and police are on the scene. Could be a while, and it uh, it looks like to avoid that area. Man, take it easy. On, take it easy on each other out there. Slow down. Slow down. I know there's a lot of grumpy people right now on the roads because it's construction season. So whenever whenever you're at like a stoplight, I've noticed, or like a stop sign, you look next to you. There's always someone with just a really gloomy look on their face. I don't know if it's because of the construction, if it's because the weather's heating up and they're hot and they don't have AC in their vehicles. Maybe they stink like BO. I don't know what their <laughs> problem is, but uh, people are kind of grumpy uh, right now on this May 10th. Hopefully, John the Habs fan isn't grumpy. Um, assuming he's not because he does not like the Toronto Maple Leafs and have you heard? If the Leafs lose tonight, they get swept. And oh, guess wow. what? Because they've already won their Stanley Cup, man. They eliminated the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round. That was their first playoff series win since 2004 when they, uh, I think it was the Ottawa Senators that they eliminated that year. I remember that like uh, yesterday for some reason. John, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, Zinger. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. You excited for the hockey game tonight? Are you going to be ordering some Western pizza? What's the plan? You betcha, and that's, uh, I'm going to celebrate just like the rest of this country. We're, we're all going to thank Florida. Yeah. That's a favor. So if uh, Florida wins tonight, you're going to call in tomorrow, and we're going we're gonna to sing live on the airwaves for the people of Saskatchewan to hear. We're going to sing, na-na-na-na, na-na-na-na, hey, Goodbye. You promised yeah, me. You, you and me both. You and me. Yes. Well, Ballsy's back in tomorrow. So, Ballsy, myself, and you, we're going to be on the airwaves. And uh, so, make sure everyone listening, you want to tune into that. So, do you think, honestly, John, take the Habs goggles off? Do you think the Maple Leafs will be eliminated tonight? Yeah. You know, um, you look at their ta- their core of fours, they call them. They just did not show up, and they have no heart, no desire to win. And they've got uh, nothing left. You know, they should have won, you know, at least one game, and they just got nothing left. And you can see it in them, and they're, they're going to get swept, and it's going to be embarrassing. I'd, if you're going to get swept like that, you'd rather lose in the first round, you know, than go out and, and get swept. Yeah, speaking of no- nothing left, the Toronto Maple Leafs, they are starting a rookie goaltender tonight. They are... Basically packing it in. They're trying to catch lightning in a bottle right now. They're trying to, you know, have this glorious story. Ooh, a rookie goalie goes in and wins four straight after being down 3-0. Like, that's what Kyle Dubas and, you know, the rest of those people are thinking right now. That's kind of what they're banking on. They're hoping for literally a miracle on ice, except this ain't 1980. This is 2023, and that's not going to happen, John. No, it's not. Um It'll be probably, uh, you know, 3-1, I think, the score. Okay. Empty netter or so just uh, three three honest no, schools? It'll, it'll be like it'll be like 3 nothing, and the Leafs will get a late one to kind of give their fans some false hope, and then Florida will just shut it down. And All right. So uh, in the other game tonight, who do you got? Are the Oilers going to come back in this series, or what's John the Habs fans well, take? Well, if they lose tonight, it's pretty much over for them, too, so they have to, you know. Well, do you, do you think they will? Like, I know they have to, but do you think they will? Well, I think so. They'll uh, last game they didn't look all that, uh, you know, all that good, and 
they looked disinterested. The only guys that showed up were uh, Fo- uh, were Warren Fogel mm-hmm. and um, and one average defenseman, you know, Cody Ceci, and the rest of those guys were MIA, including McDavid and Drysaddle. And um, I think that they're going to rebound and do something. But they got to get Ryan Nugent Hopkins going. He just well, he's a typical, you know, he's a looks like a typical Leaf that you know doesn't uh, show up when it matters. Yeah, John, thanks for the call, my friend. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting tonight. Two big uh, games in the National Hockey League. I wanted to touch on this story because this was a very big story that went across the wire today, and it's relating to the National Hockey League. Uh, A study of former National Hockey League players shows that enforcers who spent a lot of time dropping their gloves or in the penalty box lived significantly shorter lives than their peers. Researchers at Columbia University in New York reached the conclusion after analyzing data from 6,039 NHL players from 1967 to last spring. So people, I remember it was a couple weeks ago, people were saying, oh, CT, maybe it was even Gary Bettman. I think it might have been Gary Bettman that was like, uh, no, uh, fighting has nothing to do with yeah. CT. I wonder what Gary Bettman's doing today when he read that story. Maybe. Like, what a goofball. No, the entire NHL is really you know, behind the pace when it comes to CTE. And uh, I don't know if that's even going to do anything, to be honest. If well, this the, latest study will do anything. Well, they're behind the pace because they got a goofball in charge. <laughs> Gary Bettman literally shot down that idea a couple of weeks ago when he was asked about it. He was like, uh, no, there's uh, no evidence. Uh, you know, they're not bashing their heads every single play, blah, blah. <laughs> like, you remember that, right? Oh, I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I didn't oh, have a dream oh, or no, a fever no, yeah. dream or something. That actually happened. The NHL still not... You know, they still don't believe in the connection between CTE and the injuries uh, and the, the the later effects that it has on players. Uh, we see the NFL is kind of starting to, you know, kind of agree to it and amend to it. But, uh, yeah, the NHL is still light years away. Yeah, well, check this out, Gary Bettman. I hope you're listening, Gary Bettman. Uh, this research has found that enforcers died on average a decade younger than comparable peers who were drafted at the same rank were of similar height and weight and played the same position. So this goes to show you, if you're an enforcer, if you take a lot of penalties, if you drop the gloves a lot, those type of hockey players, the research shows, live 10 years less than the hockey player that doesn't partake in fighting and PIMS penalty in minutes. So, Gary Bettman, I hope you're at home stressing out right now because you sounded like a goofball a couple weeks ago. And uh, it basically enforces that fact today when this article was released. It's crazy. We're going to talk more NHL on the other side. We're going to have a CFL report first, and then we're going to check in with former Pats general manager Bob Strum talking everything NHL playoffs. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right. All you have to do is give them a call at 781-2090. Toronto Blue Jays taking on the Philadelphia Phillies right now. Bottom of the ninth, Blue Jays hanging on to a one to nothing lead over those Phillies. So uh, we shall see. I believe Jordan Romano is heading on out to the hill, seeing if he can close this one out for the Toronto Blue Jays. Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report, a look at what's happening in our three-down game. 
Yeah, and the CFL report is for Kevin's Marine. Make the most of summer with a boat or pontoon from Kevin's Marine in Fort Coupel. Kevin'sMarine.com. First day of Riders Rookie Camp. It's only fitting to talk about some of the rookies, right? Here's Michael Ball with head coach Craig Dickinson on the 2023 class. Josh White, our linebacker with the Rams, good football player, went to the Red Blacks. We were kind of wondering if you might go there with the next uh, pick. Uh, but you went with Matt Dean, 6'1", 227-pounder. We're, we're told he's a really athletic linebacker. Yeah, it was a tough call. They were both. We had them both graded pretty high. I uh, just felt like Dean was maybe a touch better fit for what we were looking at that will linebacker position. But but both of them good football players. Josh White certainly think he's got a, a, a great career ahead of him as well. Ante Milanovic leader can be a handful, right? The you know the big uh, burly uh, running back slash fullback. Is this Bertrand who don't kind of like that at six foot two hundred twenty seven pounds? Maybe I don't know if he's quite as big as as Lee Trey. But he's got a lot of versatility. They called him the train at Delaware State. So he does have some physicality. He's a really smart guy. And the nice thing is we had two people that had coached either with him or against him in Andre Bolduc and then Anthony Vitale, who was at Delaware State. So they knew him really well. So we had a little inside information on him and felt like he was a little bit underrated, had, wasn't talked about maybe as much as he should have been. So. We felt like we got really good value there for him in the fourth. Uh, and Florin, a, a lineman from Queens that uh, uh, O'Day said you guys had ranked a little higher, maybe a little surprised you could get the big 300-pounder there. Uh, what do you see yeah. in his game? Yeah, well, I just think he's real athletic. You know, there's a guy, and, and we thought he'd go much higher than he did. We, we really did. Uh, anytime you can add uh, size and athleticism, you want to do it. So he's got a lot to learn, and he's going to, you know, the learning curve is going to be steep for him, but we felt like yeah, that was great value late in the round to add, add an offensive lineman who, who's pretty athletic for a big guy. Uh, Coach, you we went for supper uh, after the season. You said you want to add players this uh, this year that obviously are good players but are good people. Not not like you're deviating from your plan in the past, but you're really honing in on that. I like this guy. I've I've dealt with him on a couple of occasions. Nick Thomas, he's 5'10", 218 pounds, out of the University of Manitoba. was a rugby guy, came up through the foster care system, has been living on his own with his sister since grade 10. That is, I mean, that, I'll tell you what, if, if he hasn't faced all adversity already, that's a great story. I'm interested to see how this kid does. Yeah. Uh, it's a great story. One of my favorite players in the interviews, uh, just just a you know kid that just would not give up. You know, he bounced around a little bit, but he just kept his nose to the grindstone and just kept working. I think he would have gone much higher in the draft had he not had a Liz Frank injury. So we know he's coming off an injury. It's a foot injury, so hopefully he's healed up. If not, we'll we'll give him some time to to heal up. The tape was very good on him, and, and the tape doesn't lie. So we felt like that was a heck of a Heck of a value pick in, in the seventh round to get him. Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. Retreats to Harley and across the dome. Walks it in. Wrist shot. Star! 3-0 Dallas! What a response performance tonight on the road by the Stars. Plays it softly around. McCann is there. Fluttering to the outside of the net. Unable to control the Zottinger. It's poked free. The net empty. After it is Domi. He'll walk it in and guide it in for the empty net. Ice 
answer. Yeah, Max Domi, he was all over the ice last night. And I know that one there was an empty netter. I know he had two goals and one assist. But it seemed like every time Dallas had the puck, Max Domi was in on the play. So uh, I'm going to give some love to the former Montreal Canadian today. Dallas with the 6-3 win last night in Seattle against the Kraken to tie the series up. At two apiece. Max Domi, your sports cage clutch performer for Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the sports cage. Right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. Back inside the sports cage here on this Wednesday, Sean Kleisinger filling in for our friend Michael Ball and my friend Blaine Wyland across the board for me here as uh, we're getting set for another exciting night, hopefully an exciting night in the National Hockey League. And I think it will be two Canadian teams in action tonight. Will the Leafs get eliminated? Maybe. Will the Oilers tie the series at two? Maybe. I don't even know anymore. I don't know what to expect from the Edmonton Oilers. But uh, maybe we'll ask our next guest about that. Bob Strum joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline, former Regina Pats general manager. How you doing today, Bob? Well, I guess before we talk about the Leafs, let's talk about the Chicago Blackhawks winning the NHL draft lottery. How do you feel about that? Well, I mean, it's a process, and uh, they came out uh, on top in the process. So I I don't, uh, you know, I I think that uh, the ironic thing in, in sports today with the lotteries and all this and all sports is that you got to be really bad in order to get really good. So uh, that's a great start for Chicago. How about like with the scandal though, like dating back a couple years, you know, there's been teams in the past year that have been stripped of first round picks for so-and-so reason, but Chicago Blackhawks, that was a pretty big scandal uh, that was happening a couple years ago. So a lot of people are kind of thinking, I don't know if Chicago should have even had a chance at the first overall pick. Do you feel the same way, or do you feel like, you know, it's kind of water under the bridge at this point, time to move forward? Well, I mean, if, if they'd have penalized them, uh, a draft pick or draft pick, there was no indication as to what years it would be anyway. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think that's water under the bridge for me. Uh, you know, been addressed, uh, move on. Chicago's um, a great sports city. I mean, uh, uh, greatest uniforms in professional sports in my mind, and Connor Bernard is going to look good in a Chicago Blackhawk uniform. Yeah, he is. So, do you think that's a good spot for Connor Bernard? I mean, our original six team. You already mentioned nice uniforms. You know, big city. Kind of used to the spotlight at this point. I know it's going to be on a much larger scale, but do you like uh, the fit for Connor Bernard in Chicago? Yeah, I mean, right at the moment, I don't know that they've got a lot of players to play with them, but but in this reload, I'd love to see them bring Patty Kane back uh, on a much more reasonable contract, finish his career there, play with Connor, and, you know, uh, uh, maybe get on the phone with Ottawa and bring the cat back to bring it. And... uh, but kind of between DeBrinket and Kane, that would that would be awesome. And and uh, you know, Chicago's got a lot of work to do, but uh, uh, it's a great sports city. I mean, I 
I went. I had friends. I had buddies that played on the Blackhawks: Keith Magnuson, Cliff Coral, Gary Pinder. Uh, um, you know, way back, and and uh, I, I I visited them a couple times uh, when I was in college in Saskatoon and Chicago. I mean, the Hawks go way back. Great heritage, mm-hmm. great history, um, great franchise. So let's hope that it moves forward. Uh, um, and they add some players to to get better, and over a three, four, five year time period, uh, Connor becomes the superstar that uh, I'm sure he will in the National Hockey League. Yeah, we are hoping so. Former general manager for your Regina Pats, Bob Strum, on the Western Pizza Hotline. Well, let's move forward and talk about some of these playoff series right now. Two big games tonight, man. We got Toronto Maple Leafs. They're facing the elimination in Florida against the Panthers and then the nightcap tonight. The Vegas Golden Knights in Edmonton to take on the Oilers. I know that you're probably following that series pretty closely since uh, you're a Vegas resident here in 2023. What do you think of that series so far? It's kind of been a whirlwind of emotions for Edmonton. You know, they're good one game. They suck the next game. We just don't know what to expect from this team anymore. Well, Vegas is a big, hard, heavy team to play against, and uh, very consistent, very well coached. Bruce Cassidy's done a great job here, and and they have, uh, you know, they they've had a culture of winning here since day one, since the first year. So, I mean, if Edmonton's going to beat Vegas in the series, it's no easy task. I, I think Edmonton is on paper a very good hockey club, but I think. Sometimes they come out and and try and find an easy way to win, and there's no easy way to win in the playoffs, and and uh, especially against Vegas. So, um, you know, Edmonds going to have to put their work boots on tonight if they're uh, if they're going to tie the series up. When you say easy way to win, do you kind of are you kind of referring to maybe relying on the big shooters to score all the goals, like Leon Drysaddle, Connor McDavid, et cetera, instead of you know doing it as a collective team effort? Hard work beats skill if skill doesn't work hard. Mm-hmm. Old saying, so true at playoff time. And, and uh, like I said, the, the Edmonds going to have to put the work boots on. I mean, they played hard here in game two. They, man, they, it, it was a, it was an ugly game, but uh, the way you have to play in order to win in the playoffs. And they got, and they, Edmonds got enough toughness now. They got Costin, they got Kane, they got Desjardins. Uh, they're, they're fine. And I'm not talking about, fighting or anything like that. I'm just getting in the trenches and getting the job done. And that's what they have to do. And, and um, you know, so the fate of both uh, Canadian teams in the playoffs on the line tonight, I think if Vegas wins again, they win that series. And, of course, if Toronto loses, they're, they're golfing. Yeah, so let's talk about that series. Uh, was it kind of the Toronto Maple Leaf Stanley Cup or what when they won the first-round series? I mean... Man, they haven't really shown up at all. Like, where is Mitch Marner? Where is Austin Matthews? Where is John Tavares? Where are these guys? Are they even on the team anymore? Or did they are they golfing, like you said? Winning in the playoffs is hard. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're playing they're playing a team that just got in at the end of the year, and they've been playing playoff hockey for two months, Florida. And they're rolling. And they play hard. They got Gudis. They got Tuchuk. Uh They got... They got some guys that that aren't nice people, Sammy Bennett. So um, Toronto just can't get into that mode. I don't know. I, I think they're going to end up on the cover of GQ magazine instead of the hockeyness. 
Oh, that's hilarious. And Joseph Wool will be starting uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight against the Panthers. A rookie goaltender. I don't, I'm not saying they're packing it in, but maybe they're trying to, you know, catch lightning in the bottle here by, you know, having a hot goalie and having a, maybe a novel written about a comeback series 20 years from now. Is that kind of what Toronto's open for at this point? Well, I don't know that they've got any other choice. I mean, Matt Murray, he's been a, he'd been a no show for Ottawa and Toronto for the last, what, three, four years. So, I think that's their only option. That's the interesting part of the playoffs. I mean, the cup is wide open now without Boston, without Tampa, you know, without Colorado. So, I mean, it's it's going to come down to goaltending. You know, I mean, uh, I mean, Vegas loses their guy, uh, Brassois, early in the game, uh, game two, and Aiden Hill comes in and does a good job. So, you know, is Bobrovsky the guy now that uh, returned to form and get a chance to win a Stanley Cup? He might, right at this moment, he might be the best goalie in the playoffs, and I think it's going to come down to goaltending. Uh, Ottinger, I love the Ottinger kid in Dallas. He he was better last night. So, um, as you know, goaltending's mm-hmm. probably the most important position in all of sports. But at playoff time, it it comes to the fore, and it'll it'll be interesting to see which goalie can reach out and grab the cup. Former Pats GM Bob Strum on the Western Pizza Hotline. Let's talk about that game last night. Stars six to three win in Seattle against the Kraken. Oh man, I don't know. For some reason, I've been watching every single second of this series. I think it's because it's one of those West Coast series, and as well, a couple Regina kids playing in the series, Jane Schwartz. And uh, Jordan Eberle, of course, former Regina Pat. What do you think of that series? I don't know. I thought that maybe Seattle was going to win yesterday on home ice, but uh, the Dallas Stars, those pesky stars, coming away with a 6-3 to win. Well, Dallas has got a team built to win in the playoffs. Uh, you know, Ottinger's been a little bit hot and cold for him. He's usually pretty steady at playoffs. I'm good, good young goaltender. But, you know, the interesting thing for me is uh, uh, we got a chance to watch the should be Norris Trophy winner in the National Hockey League, Miro Heiskinen. I mean, how good was he last night? The guy's got a bubble mask on. He's yeah. got a big stitch slash in his face. He played over 20 minutes in the first two periods. He was at 20-20 in in, after two periods of ice time. The guy was unbelievable. He controlled the entire game, and, and Dallas came out, and, you know, their they're big boy's been – Pavelski got going, and I think Dallas is a sleeper chance to win the cup, and I think they know it. And um, I, I think I love Seattle's team; they, they play so hard and fast. But I, I think probably they're going to they're going to come up a tad short here in this one, and, and uh, Dallas is going to move on. And I'm going to ask you about your Stanley Cup prediction in just a couple seconds here. But first, I want to comment from you about. Uh, I don't that, have one. You don't. You don't. You're not in the prediction business, huh? Okay, but well, I, I don't know. No, I'm telling you, I have no idea. Yeah, the teams left. Any of them have a chance to win? Yeah, any. That Carolina, New Jersey. I was talking to my uh, dad the other day. My dad was like, "I think Carolina's going to win the Stanley Cup." And he could be right. That's a pretty good team too. Six to one win last night in New Jersey. They now lead that series three to one. Maybe it's going to be Carolina in the Stanley Cup this year. The Notre Dame Hounds. Mm. Carolina Hounds. The Rod Carolina Brindamore. Hounds. Saskatchewan proud, my friend. The 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 Rod Brindamore cut his teeth 
with Barry McKenzie and Terry O'Malley there in, at Notre Dame. I saw the kid when he was 16. And and think about it. Brandon Moore played like a hound, and now he coaches like a hound. They are – Carolina's the Notre Dame hounds. They, that's who they are. They work, 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 work. They're well coached. They're in position. They play hard. You never know who's going to score. Um, and they're they're going they're, they're I, you know it's funny. Um, I was like your dad there. I I said after game two, Carolina might win the Stanley Cup, and they went out and got beat eight four. But they are well coached, work hard. Uh, can you imagine if they still had Fetchnikov and Teravainen and Pacioretty? Uh, but maybe maybe that's the key to. I mean, you got Martin going, you got Nason going, you got Seth Jarvis, the good Winnipeg boy, going. Uh, it it. They just they they remind me so much of Notre Dame, and of course it's obvious it's because of Rod. Yeah, you must be kind of cheering for the Hurricanes, no? In a way, nice soft spot for the Carolina Hurricanes for just the reasons that you just mentioned. Well, I you know it, it, it it's funny at this stage of my life I don't really cheer for anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, my son works for one of the teams in the NHL that's not in the playoff hunt, so that's probably where my soft spot is, but. I just enjoy the the good, good hockey. I mean, man, I can hardly wait till it's 4 o'clock every day, which is when the games start down here. And one day we had a triple header. That was, that was a bonus. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a fun ride to the finish. Two big games tonight. And uh, we will catch up with you, Bob Strum, again in the near future. Thank you for your time today, my friend, and enjoy the hockey tonight. My pleasure. I will call a Dallas-Florida Stanley Cup final for you. There you go. You heard it. Dallas, Florida. Get your lottery tickets. Bob Strom, thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. With Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk, this is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Back inside the sports cage. Yes, sirree. Come to talk with us. Text lines open 306-936-6262. Blaine, it's humming. It's buzzing. What do we got? Oh, we got some chatter about the, uh, an original six matchup, of course, the Leafs and the uh, Maple Leafs. Uh, I think it's a happy day for Maple Le- or Sorry, Montreal fans, not mm-hmm. Maple Leaf fans. Uh, this one coming from Mike. Uh, in regards to John, uh, John the Habs fan, and Mike said, "Well, at least the Leafs have made the playoffs. Unlike, unlike your stinking Habs, the Habs weren't bad enough to get Connor Bedard. I'm sure glad I'm not a Canadians fan or Leafs fan. I'm a Detroit Red Wings fan. You can't laugh at us because we had our time and won our cups, and we will again in time." I'm di- oh, sorry. Go ahead. And then there was one? another one where he added uh, to the Jobs. <laughs> He's at not l- done. At least the Leafs have a respectable maple leaf on their chest, not something that resembles a toilet seat. All right. Hold up here. Hold up. I'm going to put an end to this right now. The last time the Toronto Maple Leafs have won a Stanley Cup <laughs> was in 1967, okay? Since then, the Montreal Canadiens, uh, number of Stanley Cups in the 70s, Okay, they won in 1986 against your Flames. Yeah. They lost in 89, of course, to your Flames. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens, they also won the Stanley Cup in 1993. Mm-hmm. Okay, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the Montreal Canadiens, yes, I know they lost, but just a few short years ago during COVID, they made it to the Stanley Cup final. That seems to me, no, call me crazy. I might be crazy. I might not be very smart when it comes to this. But it seems to me that's a whole lot more of a quote-unquote winning type of atmosphere, a whole lot more to cheer about compared to what Toronto Maple Leafs fans have been cheering about since 
1967. So when people like to talk about this debate, it's not even close. Like the Maple Leafs franchise is abysmal. So that's what I have to say about that. Uh, Ted Lindsay Award nominees. That just came out, Blake. It just came out. Uh, of course, that's for the players of the, the, the award uh, from the NHLPA. The three nominees, Connor McDavid, Eric Carlson, and David Pasternak. There you have it. And, uh... Well, speaking of Toronto sports, Blaine, uh, unfortunately, the Toronto Blue Jays, they can just not make anything look easy. Uh, the Phillies have tied them. It's in the 10th inning, and uh, Jordan Romano, he was kind of throwing the ball all over the place there in the bottom of the ninth inning. So they are indeed in extras, and unfortunately for the Blue Jays, you know, we all know the new rules. A runner starts off at second base in extra innings. Well, the Blue Jays, they were unable to capitalize on that in their half of the 10th inning. So now we are going to the bottom half of the 10th, all knotted up at one apiece. So hopefully uh, the Blue Jays can push it to the 11th inning because I want to win this game. We lost yesterday. I know this is the thing about baseball. It's just I'm beating a dead horse again, Blaine, but talk me off the ledge. It's it's a whirlwind of emotions, and it's hard. It's hard on a person, especially when someone has anxiety. It's hard, you know. Especially, you the, could, do you see the tears in my eyes? Like this is ridiculous. Well, it's such a roller coaster, eh? Because they they won six straight, then they lost four, and then they swept the Pirates, and they lost yesterday, and they could fall to another oh, sweep. Like it's back and forth, but that's that's where that's how it goes with 160 62 games. Yeah, and it's a whirlwind for Edmonton Oilers fans right now because that hockey team, you just don't know. You know, you sit down on the couch and you think to yourself, "What kind of team am I gonna see tonight?" Well, we're gonna ask the color voice of the Edmonton Oilers, Bob Stoffer, that very question coming up. On the other side of uh, the five o'clock news, you're listening to the Sports Cage on six twenty. CKRM. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Sean Kleisinger. All right, here we go. Hour three underway. Sean Kleisinger alongside my buddy Blaine Wyland here on this May the 10th. Very big day in the in the Canadian Football League and for Ryder Nation, rookie mini camp underway at uh, Griffith Stadium in Saskatoon. And uh, we cannot wait to head on up there. Special edition of the Sports Cage coming up on Sunday, 9 a.m. Right on these airwaves. Michael Ball, Luke Mullinder will be live from Griffith Stadium. I have a score update, and it's not a good one if you're a Blue Jay fan. The Philadelphia Phillies, 2-1 to winners over... Uh, those Toronto Blue Jays. So uh, the Blue Jays <sighs> drop yet another game. But uh, let's talk some hockey because, let's be honest, hockey is a big deal right now, especially across the prairies. A lot of Edmonton Oilers fans here in Saskatchewan. And uh, joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline, the radio color commentator for the Edmonton Oilers, the host of Oilers Now on 630 Ched, and a panelist on Sportsnet Oilers regional broadcasts, Bob Stoffer joining us. How you doing today, Bob? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Yes, it's uh, Zinger filling in for Ballsy today because I think Ballsy, he's a bit stressed out right now. You know, the Edmonton Oilers, not a very good performance a couple nights ago. So I think he's just taking the day, Bob. He's just in his bunker at home right now. He's reflecting on his thoughts, and he's uh, hunkering down for a big game tonight. <laughs> well, you know what? He uh, He wears it. 
I mean, he wears it when he does the Riders games because mm. that's who he wanted to do. When he, and, and he loves the Riders and he loves Regina. And, you know, never mistake the fact that if you're a team broadcaster and I'm a team broadcaster, you know, I want the Oilers to win mm. and we're in the business of uh, selling uh, tickets and promoting the brand. It doesn't mean you can't look objectively at the situation that your team's in. But at the end of the day, you feel losses, you know? And so sometimes you get a little bit emotional, a little bit frustrated, especially when you have two of the world's best players and calls that were made in game one and game two don't get made early in game three. But maybe it didn't matter because Edmonton just didn't have the requisite energy level and they had no jump, no jack at all that game. And it just sort of spiraled on them away. And so they're going to have to recalibrate here. Uh, the good thing for Edmonton is this year in the playoffs they've been able to do that. You know, the Oilers have lost three games and they've responded with three wins out of their losses, outscoring teams 14-7. to seven. Uh, They're going to have to, uh, you know, get total commitment and buy-in, do a way better job defensively, better job working back to a puck, and they could use a stop as well as Stuart Skinner getting the starting goal. And also they're going to need some better five-on-five play. I mean, it's not been good enough, man. They're we all know the power play. I mean, I mean historic yeah. type power play, but like five on five, five on five rather. They just get bullied out there. That needs to improve if they want to get back into this series. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is that during the regular season, the last three seasons uh, before this year, Edmonton was minus twenty nine, minus twenty three, and minus twenty two in five v five goal differential when McDavid and Drysaddle weren't on the ice when one of them wasn't out there. This year they were plus fourteen. Uh, however, they're playing Vegas, and like L.A., Vegas is a very good five-on-five team. Um, so, you know, it's, it's funny. You look at how the Oilers gain control of game number two, and they got a couple power plays early, and Vegas can't kill a penalty. Uh, the only team with worse penalty kill in the playoffs has been L.A., and that's who Edmonton played in round one. And the Oilers are over 50% on the power play. They're over 60% when the game's been sort of hanging in the balance. Like, it's you know, they've been sniping at critical times. But there's no question uh, they got to get more push. And three of the guys that helped make Edmonton's 5v5 play better were Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Zach Hyman, and and uh, Evander Kane. Now, Evander missed half the season. He had a traumatic injury. There's no other way to say it. I don't know if he's all the way back yet from that injury. To me, his touch and his, his motor skills appear to be you know, a little bit uh, challenged. In, in Hyman's case, you know, I think he's, I mean, clearly he was laboring the game the other night. He's a game-time decision tonight. I think he'll find himself, uh, you know, he'll will himself to play in. But those three guys, uh, Nugent Hopkins, along with Hyman and Kane, got to give the Oilers a little bit more juice because, ironically enough, despite the fact that they haven't been great five-on-five, one line has, and that's been the line of Fogel, McLeod, and Derek Ryan. You know, their shot share and possession metrics are very good. So, uh they gotta, they got to get some more sort of out of that secondary scoring source that Hyman, Nugent Hopkins. I mean, Nugent Hopkins had 100 points this year. Hyman had 80, and they need more of that tonight. Well, what's going on? I know we talked about this the other day when uh, Ballsy was in here. I'm not going to pretend I'm an Oilers specialist, I, you know, but I do know one thing. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, uh, like, where is he? Like, I, I, I don't get it. Like, he's not, he's nowhere to be seen out yeah. there. Yep. Uh, part of it is he played a lot of his five-on-five five time this year with either Leon Dreisettle or, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, back in 1920, when Dave Tippett was coaching the team, they put the line together of Dreisettle, Nugent Hopkins, and Yamamoto. Yeah. Um, 
And what happened is after game number three in L.A., that happened to the lot. Remember, L.A. lost game one and game three in overtime against L.A. Until the 6-4 loss in game one, they hadn't lost a game in regulation in seven weeks. Right? And that 6-4 game against Vegas was with an empty netter with Vegas on the power play to get the empty net goal. So uh, the 5-1 loss was probably was the worst game they played in the last two months. In, uh, in Nugent Hopkins' case, until game three of the L.A. series, like until the end of that game, he was, and really until the first period of game four, when the Oilers were outscored 3 nothing, he was on the line with uh, uh, Connor McDavid and Connor Yamamoto. He got moved off that line. They put the Bukes deadline with Nugent Hopkins and Hyman together for game five, and they blew out uh, L.A. 6-3. But he hasn't played a lot with Connor and Leon 5-on-5 five five here in the last five games, and I think it's uh, affected his offense a little bit. So he's going to have to find a way to, to, to contribute a little bit more. I don't know if he's there's an injury, we, you know, unless it's obvious, right? Like that hit that we saw on Hyman, that was an obvious. You could see that uh, that's – the type of hit that gives a guy a Charlie horse. You could see that Hyman was having problems completing the stride on the ice. And even Bouchard, when he got cross-checked from behind, and they didn't call out one in the first period. Remember, this is both both those happened in the first when it was a 1-1 game. Um, you know, he wasn't, I didn't think he was right either. So they're going to, they got to play a lot better than they did on Monday. There's no way to sugarcoat. They didn't play well enough to win the game. And you're 100% right. They need more out of Nuge. And he's got to get going for them to have a chance to win this series because Vegas is very strong down the middle with Eichel, um, along with you know Chandler Stevenson's got ten points. Eichel's in double digits for points. Carlson's got four goals in the playoffs, and Nikola was a big physical center that had fourteen goals in the regular season. So they're going to need more from those guys here. Has there been any like concerted effort from like Jay Woodcroft? to get the nudge going as far as like shuffling to different lines or I don't know. Oh, I mean, they, I mean like they have, they have 11 forwards that they use and those guys all play with different guys. He shuffled mm-hmm. the lines a ton. Yeah. So I don't think that's actually been an issue for Edmonton here. I think that they Is there gotta, something that they can do know, though? Like outside of that, like it, it, it's just amazing to me because the guy is invisible out there. There has to be uh, something else that, uh, that can be instilled into this guy or yeah, the guys around him? He, he's got to play with one of McDavid or Drysaddle, and my guess is tonight you're going to see that. Okay. So there's your answer. All right. We're with uh, Bob Stoffer on the Western Pizza Hotline. Uh, Bob, I, uh, did you see this uh, report that came out today, a study of former national You know hockey? what? I just, I just lost you here. I don't know what happened. You still there? Yeah. You you hear me, Bob? <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's breaking up. Um, you want me to call back? Yeah, just give us a call back on the Western Pizza Hotline here. was just about to ask Bob about uh, that uh, National Hockey League report today that came out regarding the CTE, and uh, it's just an amazing uh, thing to read. And when I say amazing, I don't mean in a good way because it says that players uh, players that uh, are kind of, you know, determined as enforcers who spent a lot of time dropping their gloves or in the penalty box – uh, when you read through this report, uh, apparently these players, they live a significantly amount uh, sh- shorter lives. So uh, I want to ask Bob Stauffer that. We got him back on the... Bob, did you uh, he- did you see that report today? The study, former National Hockey League players, shows that enforcers who spent a lot of time 
dropping their gloves or in the penalty box lived significantly shorter lives than their peers. And I uh, just kind of want to uh, a thought from yourself because was it a couple weeks ago where the NHL commissioner Gary Bettman he kind of pushed this thing to the side when he was asked about it. He kind of you know uh, yeah, I, mean, I want your game, thoughts on the game, it. The game has evolved and gone in a completely different fashion here. I think we all know that. And uh, you know I have uh, George LaRock and Louis DeBrusque on my show. Mm-hmm. And those are two former heavyweights. But the guy that I grew up playing with and he was a real good player some of the, your listeners in, in, in Saskatchewan right now would remember this guy his name is Todd Hewitt mm-hmm. Todd Hewitt's the only guy ever to uh, to drop Bob Probert in a fight like he one punched Bob Probert when he was 21 and uh, Todd grew up playing in St. Albert on a team with Manny Beaveros. Uh Manny was on that 85 Prince Albert team that's arguably the toughest team at all time you know Dave Manson and Ken Bob Gardner and all those guys and um you know, St. Albert had Todd Ewan, and he was the best player. Like, when we were 12, he was the best player. And by the time he was 16, he had to fight in the Western Hockey League. And I remember because I was five foot ten at 12, and I'm still five foot ten now. And I used to have to go up against him physically. And I was okay when I was 12, but by the time I was 14, he would run over me. But, you know, Todd, unfortunately, had a, a very unfortunate demise. He took, his, he took his own life as a heavyweight, and... um I think, the, you know, certainly the numbers in boxing and that sort of thing uh, from the head trauma, uh, it, to be honest with you, I'm not surprised by that report, but I think the game has really sort of moved away from those sort of players. Like, I, we don't have a lot of guys whose sole job is to fight. I know in Todd Ewan's case, he fought Proby the one time, and Proby came back in the same game and mm-hmm. fought him again coming off being knocked out. That would never happen today in the NHL. They'd sit you down. You got a concussion. You're not playing the rest of the night. We, we just didn't know enough about it back then. My friend's a concussion specialist for the Oilers. His name is Dr. Marty uh, Morazic. He worked with the Georgia Bulldogs football team on his uh, post-grad. And, you know, we've come a long way. And I just think the game's evolved. Like, well, watch Western Hockey League games now. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many kids on the Regina Pats had more than three fights this year? Yep. And my guess is we probably, like, you know, when I grew up in the 80s, and I wasn't good enough to play in the WHL when there was 11 teams. But uh, my guess is at that time you probably had – 10 kids on the team that had at least 10 fights in a season. And we fought in Bantams and in Midgets. I'm serious. On the ice. Like, we fought. We took our cages off and fought. So, it's just a completely different time. And so, I know what the report is. Everybody knows what the numbers is. It's, it's awful, but the reality of the situation is there's way less of it than ever before in terms of the actual fighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, now that said, you eliminate contact. I don't think we need to go the route of the OHL which is con- taking body checking completely out of the game. I think you still want to have that. I don't want a bunch of guys skating around with their heads down. you got the drag in the NCAA where guys think they can cruise across the blue line and don't have to have their head up, and then they come to the NHL and they get knocked on their ass. So I think there's a little bit of a medium, but certainly I'm aware of the historical numbers and how it's affected the enforcers in the league. Bob Stoffer from the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network. Thanks for uh, joining us today, Bob. I know yeah. it's a busy day on uh, on a game day, but I know our Saskatchewan listeners really appreciate you hopping on. So uh, have a good call tonight, and hopefully, I know, I say hopefully, because we have a lot of Oilers fans around here, uh, we'll see a better effort tonight from the Oils. All right. You take care. See you later. All right. All Thanks, right. Bob. Bob Stoffer on the Western Pizza Hotline. And, yes, I cannot wait for that game tonight. 8 p.m. puck drop. Oilers at home against those Vegas Golden Knights, and uh, I just want to see a good game. I want to see an overtime game. I want to see one of those instant classics where it goes like 
two to three overtime periods. That's what I'm here for. I'm here for it. Get your popcorn ready. And get your popcorn ready for Jordan Cisco. Where are they now coming up at the bottom of the clock? 535 approximately. Uh, the former University of Regina Ram, the former Saskatchewan Rough Rider, and the former Riffle Royal will join us on the Western Pizza Hotline. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. First day of Riders Rookie Camp today up there in Saskatoon. We had Riders Rookie Linebacker Matt Dean join us on the Western Pizza Hotline right at 4.05. Rookie Linebacker from York University. And yes, he did not win many football games with York University and hopefully uh, that changes when he uh, dons the green and white. We had him on the show. If you missed that conversation well there's no need to worry because we got this show covered for you in podcast form. Wherever you find your podcasts you can find the Sports Cage on demand about, uh, I'm going to say about 10 to 15 minutes after we go off air. So around about 6.15, 6.20-ish, you'll be able to check that out. And uh, hopefully you weren't checking out the Toronto Blue Jays today because they uh, fell and they fell badly. A late game collapse, 2-1 to one loss against the Philadelphia Phillies. So the Toronto Blue Jays back-to-back losses against the Phils after sweeping the Pirates. Man, talk about a roller coaster. They got swept in Boston. They sweep the Pirates, and now it's a downward trend once again for the Toronto Blue Jays. I saw this go across the wire today. Speaking of Toronto franchises, the Raptors, they have interviewed 15-year NBA veteran J.J. Redick for their head coaching position. J.J. is currently an NBA analyst for ESPN, so of course... Um, they're looking for a new coach because they gassed Nick Nurse a few weeks ago, and it's kind of that season. It's uh, the black season, if you will. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks parted ways with Mike Budenholzer right after they got eliminated uh, from the playoffs. So it's uh, that time of year. Maybe Nick Nurse will be the next head coach for the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't know. I'm just kind of floating it out there. Uh, we saw this as well today. The NFL schedule is set to be dropped tomorrow. And myself, along with Blaine Wyland, I know that you've been looking into this. You've been kind of planning, maybe, yep. just maybe, Blaine, you can go watch a San Francisco 49ers game this year. It's always an exciting day on the schedule when the NFL schedule drops. Yeah, uh, 49ers are playing Minnesota, so that's possibly one game I go to. Mm. I did go to San Francisco last year, so I'd like to check out another stadium. But yeah, it's always exciting. Then the possibility of you know where your team could be playing at certain times of the year, it's always exciting. It's kind of overrated in a sense mm. that we put so much hype into it, but at the same time, it's so exciting to see an NFL schedule being released. It's not overrated, though, if you do plan on going to a game, because that is where all your planning starts. Once you see the game, it's kind of like, okay, this is going to be what I'm going to be doing here for this football season. And I'll tell you what, there's nothing like going to see your football team play live in its own stadium. For myself, it's the Green Bay Packers live at Lambeau Field. But I'll tell you what, 
there's a special feeling about going to see your team on the road in enemy territory, going into enemy yep. territory where you kind of feel it's you against the world. When your team's on offense, you have 70,000 people screaming at your quarterback, and then you're kind of in the crowd being like, okay, you kind of feel like a boxer who's, uh, <laughs> you know, has the odds stacked against them, like a you know, like a plus eight hundred on the betting line. That's kind of like the vibe that you get standing in the crowd. So I love going to see the Packers play on the road. So I highly recommend anyone out there if you haven't seen your team play live on the road, and I'm guessing a lot of you have because the Saskatchewan Rough Riders they play a lot in Winnipeg, they play a lot in Calgary, <laughs> they play a lot in Edmonton and across the country. But there's just something about that. I love the feeling of uh, seeing your team play. Live on the road, and one individual that uh, played a lot of football and uh, played in a lot of stadiums over his football career is Jordan Sisko, former Riffle Royals quarterback. He went on to play wide receiver for the University of Regina Rams, and then after that, he actually had a cup of tea with the Indianapolis Colts, and I'm going to ask Jordan Sisko about that and if he had any encounters with Peyton Manning and maybe some other players. And then, of course, after that, with your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. It's the Where Are They Now segment for Floor Coverings International coming up on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sports ticker for Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialists. All right, we got NHL tonight. We got two games and the Toronto Maple Leafs, Florida Panthers. That game is underway. First period of play. No score. Nine minutes, 14 seconds remaining in the opening frame. Later on tonight, 8 p.m. puck drop. Vegas Golden Knights taking on the Edmonton Oilers from Rogers Place in Edmonton, Alberta. Well, man, it's you got to believe it's a must-win tonight for the Edmonton Oilers. We shall see what happens. And one more time, I promise this will be the last time I bring this up today. The Blue Jays, they drop a heartbreaker. Two to one final score in Philadelphia this afternoon. Let's head ringside and check in with the oldest major junior hockey team in Canada. This is Pat Chat from your official voice of the Regina Pats, 620 CKRM. Pat Chat for the Canadian Brew House. Simply Spike Lemonade is new to the CBH right now with four bold, full flavored, fizzy choices to enjoy. Yeah, in case you were wondering, Chandler Stevenson, he got that goal too. The announcer did not say his name there, but uh, Chandler Stevenson, he's been absolutely hot this postseason. We're talking six goals and four assists after only having 16 goals in the regular season this year. And if you're thinking to yourself, how many goals did Chandler Stevenson score in his time with the Regina Pats? Well, 73 goals scored for the Regina Pats in four seasons with the team. So we're happy for him. Friend of the show, Chandler Stevenson. I know Edmonton Oilers fans, they're not happy. Down 2-1 in the series, and the Oilers will try to even that series up at two apiece tonight. 8 p.m. puck drops Saskatchewan time from Rogers Place in Edmonton. 
It's the Regina Symphony Orchestra season finale. What better way to set it all off with Tchaikovsky and Brahms, May 13th at 7.30 at the Conexus Arts Center. Award-winning Canadian pianist Ian Parker returns to Regina for the dazzling piano concerto from Tchaikovsky. The emotion and power of the concerto pairs with Brahms Symphony No. 4. The passion and the intense sentiment will flow through the air and into your soul. You don't want to miss this. For tickets, visit reginasymphony.com. They're the names we speak with reverence or scream out loud. The names that help define us, inspire us, and build the game that we all love. Each Wednesday on the Sports Cage, we flash to the past with a legend to see if there is indeed life beyond the scoreboard. This is Where Are They Now? Well, it's a Wednesday inside the Sports Cage, so it's about that time. It's Where Are They Now for Floor Coverings International. Need new floors? Let... Floor Coverings International bring their mobile showroom to you. Visit their website for your free consultation. And very excited to talk to this guy today here on uh, the Sports Cage, Jordan Sisko. You might remember this name, and if you, uh, you do, well, you could maybe remember him from his days playing for the Riffle Royals, maybe with the University of Regina Rams, and maybe, yes, for the... Your Saskatchewan Rough Riders as well. Jordan, thanks for your time today. Where's Jordan at these days? Like, uh, what's the day in a life look like for uh, Jordan Cisco? Well, um, we're, I work in for the government. I work in corrections right now. So usually uh, when I'm not at work, uh, I, t- I like to take days off and hang out with my kid and some of the family and friends. But other than that, I'm you know, usually in the gym or playing some sort of rec football or basketball. Yeah. And you mentioned, can't give it, can't give it up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned basketball. Uh, I'm assuming you watch a lot of NBA. I know you're a big LeBron supporter just by, uh, you know, following you on social media throughout the years. Bias aside, who do you got in the NBA finals here? I know the Lakers with a big win a couple nights ago. Well, I'm. I mean, I would love to see LeBron get back in the finals. Uh, it's looking like the team is really turning the corner after the trade deadline there. So I would love to see Lakers and Celtics just to bring back that rivalry for that 18th banner. Some nostalgia, huh? I like the way you're thinking. Yeah, I think, I think it'd be good, right? It, it makes it a little bit easier for the NBA to promote it, but yeah. I think it'd be cool to see. Uh, cliche question that gets thrown around a lot, but since we're talking about LeBron, if you choose LeBron over MJ, maybe give me your top three reasons why you would choose LeBron James over uh, Michael Jordan, if that's the case. Well, you know, I've had that discussion so many times over yeah. the last 20 years. That, we're having uh, it again, baby. Let's go. It's almost, <laughs> it's almost tough because I try, I try to stay out of that conversation now, now, but, um, uh, I wouldn't even necessarily, like, I'm not going to say that LeBron is better than Michael Jordan. Obviously, it's two completely different areas, but yeah. I think it's a lot closer than people like to like to say. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the old Jordan heads are a little stubborn, so they don't like to like to admit that someone might be somewhere close to him. But if I had to come up with a, a couple different reasons, I mean, you look at LeBron's career, he has been that guy he's been him since he came into the league and like even in his 20th season here you look at it and it's like the guy is still putting up numbers that he was putting up in his 10th year when he was an mvp in miami Mm -hmm. 
like nobody ever does that. I don't know if, I mean, other than a guy like Tom Brady, and of course there's probably other guys in other sports as well, but like for 20 years I've considered LeBron to have a shot at the NBA title. Not a lot of guys can sit there and say that. And everyone knew that the Wizards weren't going to the finals. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew the Wizards weren't going to the NBA finals when he was there. And that's not something that you can say about LeBron right now. Yeah. Uh, other thing I would say, the evolution of LeBron's game, I don't think it's you can really compare it to anybody else. Like the NBA has changed so much over the last 20 years, and he's been relevant and a top, arguably a top three, top five player in the league probably for the last at least 18 years. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I mean, yeah. we could sit here and talk about yeah. that forever, but I think I, those are a couple points that I would make. And how about someday if we can see Bronny and LeBron play on the same team? Like, I'm here for that. I mean, hook it straight to my veins. I want to see that happen. Uh, before we get into football, I'd be remiss uh, not to mention this since this is your first time talking publicly on these airwaves since uh, Kelly Hamilton's passing i know your father roddy was uh close with kelly through the years growing up uh within rmf uh do you have a memory that comes to mind when you think of the late kelly hamilton that you'd like to share with our listeners well i don't know if it's necessarily an exact memory but when i think of kelly like he was always such a pleasant person to be around like he treated Mm-hmm. He treated like my nephews, like, honestly, it seemed like they were his own grandchildren type thing, you know, like they were in the locker room all the time and in the equipment room and Kelly was always treating him so well. And uh, I guess the one thing that about Kelly that I'll always, you know, you think of Kelly, it's like he had this big bushy mustache, <laughs> but the thing that was even better was his smile was even bigger than that. Yeah. And like the mustache never hid the smile. Mm-hmm. So you know, when I think of Kelly, that's that's something that I just always see is that big smile of his with the mustache over top of it. Yeah, yeah, he, he's uh, he will but be missed. What it. he did for football yeah. and RMF over his years there, like you look at what RMF, how it's grown over the years. Back when like you and I played, like yeah. it's it's yeah. completely different. These kids are so lucky. It's such a great place. Yeah, like the equipment, the helmets, I mean, the facilities. What uh, teams did you play for in RMF, by the way? What's your best RMF memory? I was a Razorback and uh, Stampeder. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know if I, again, like, the memories all blend together. Yeah, yeah I know when what you mean. you play, you know, football for so long. Um, I would... I would just probably like like looking back at even the field we played on, like <laughs> it was the old libel field, dirt. the dirt pits. It was, yeah. it was mud, right? Like some of the best memories were probably when it was snowing. Yeah. You know, I look back, like even as as I grew up in high school and everything, like those snow games were the best. Like the blizzards were, like nowadays people won't even get on the road and drive, but like we were playing football. Yeah. No, for you sure. You know, like I look back at those games, they were just, they were so much fun. The rain games, the snow games, just like being a kid, like that's what you want. Riffle Royals high school football. I remember you truck sticking would be tacklers, man. I was in the stands for it. I think I was in grade eight when you were in grade 12. And I know, no, you weren't the fullback. You were a quarterback in high school. You always, yeah. were you always a quarterback growing up through the ranks? And how did that transition come to be from a high school quarterback to, 
than CIS receiver? Well, I wasn't always a quarterback. Um, I When I first started playing, I was pretty young, so they kind of put you – I played contain, right? You know, I was just like that outside linebacker. Just make sure you bring the play inside. And mm-hmm. It was an easy job. And then uh, the following year, I, I can't remember if I was playing receiver or, or what it was, but we lost our first game. And uh, I remember – my mom coached me in basketball and she kind of said to my dad, who, who was my football coach, she said, you know, Jordan really sees the, the court well with basketball. Like maybe you should give him a shot at quarterback. Let's go. And it kind of just like took off from there. So you can give credit to my mom for my my quarterback career in high school. And stuff, but um, yeah, I never yeah, knew that. It was like, yeah, like, sorry. No, I never knew that. That's awesome, man. Yeah. She just, yeah, he sees the basketball court really well and yeah. might as well give him a shot. And then kind of from then the next week I was the quarterback and kind of just carried into high school. And uh, I still, like, I always begged Bolin, like the riffle coach, I just beg him, beg him. Yeah. Hey, like, let me play a different position. Like, let me try something else. Like, let me go play receiver, linebacker, safety, whatever. But he never let it happen. And I... You know, I I believe that you got to do whatever it is that the coaches say to help the team win, and yeah. you know, I, I'm sure even my teammates agreed. Like, hey, no, you got to play quarterback. Like, this is the move, and we were successful. So I can't really complain about that, right? We had a lot of fun growing up. We had a good core group of guys that played, you know, three straight years in RMF and then three straight years in high school, and we won it all all six of those years. So can't really complain about not being able to play other positions uh mm-hmm. you know there was a couple of years in high school where i i broke my hand and i was in a castle i got to play pretty much every position except for o-line um <laughs> wow and then you know playing against like mueller with sheldon there mueller was kind of spraying the ball all over the field so we played with the two safety set so i got to play some safety in, in you know like the big games the ones that the city final and the provincials just because you're playing against pretty talented quarterbacks and Mueller and Chris Bodner with Holy Cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great, great career uh, with the horns you had, man. Drafted in the second round uh, by your hometown team, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And I want to touch on the Riders, obviously, here in a second. But before all that, tell our listeners, you had a bit of a NFL uh, experience, my friend. NFL facility, spending some time in minicamp at the Indianapolis Colts. So did you get a chance to take your riffle quarterback knowledge and, you know, teach Peyton Manning a thing or two, or what was going on down there? Uh, you know, I look back at that situation and I wish I wasn't so starstruck, but, uh, you know, it'd been nice to get a picture with him or something. But my, my first day in the locker room, you know, I get set up with my, um, with my equipment and all my gloves and cleats and all that stuff, pick my number and I'm at my locker kind of sorting sorting it out and organizing it and in comes Peyton Manning. I'm the first locker. He comes up to me and he's just like, Hey Jordan, I'm Peyton Manning. And I'm just like, yeah, no, you know, like type yeah. thing, right. And he's just like, yeah, I watched your tape with Regina Rams, you know, it seems like you could help us win here. And uh, I heard about your fast 40 time, blah, blah, blah. And like, it just kind of, goes to show the type of player he is. Mm-hmm. 
like not only was he arguably one of the best quarterbacks to ever live, he's also like a true professional and teammate, right? Like yeah. he it probably only took him 15 minutes to watch my tape and learn where I went to school and whatnot. But just the fact that he did that and knew like I could potentially be his teammate or someone he's throwing touchdowns to, like he, he took the time. And that's kind of something I, I tell kids when I speak to, you know, teams like you got to get to know your teammates, right? Cause yeah. if Peyton Manning does it, there's no reason why you shouldn't because you're not Peyton Manning. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a great but, uh, story, man. Those are memories that you'll yeah, carry he, with he you. Actually, I remember, you know, they tell you in, in training camp, uh, don't jump, don't dive, don't do anything to potentially hurt yourself in OTAs and stuff like that. So we were running routes on air and Peyton threw, he threw me a slant. And uh, in my opinion, it was far inside, but maybe he thought I was faster than than I actually am. But uh, he threw it pretty far inside. Just like, you know, claps his hand. He's like, come on, Cisco. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I got yelled at by Peyton for hey, a brief moment. Hey, man, that's a hang a banner up, man. I wish I could say that. That's a, that's unbelievable. Uh, that's a great yeah, story. Watching, <laughs> watching him and some of uh, those receivers like Dallas Clark was there watching them do one-on-ones in practice oh my was goodness. amazing. Like they, they wouldn't even speak to each other. Yeah. They just knew where everyone, where they were going to be. Peyton knew where Dallas was going to be. And he always put it on the money. Like, I don't think I ever saw them not complete a one-on-one. That's unbelievable. Just unparalleled chemistry. So did yeah. we have a, about a minute left here. Hometown kid, Jordan Cisco with me on the Western pizza hotline. Where are they now? Hometown kid playing for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. It rarely happens, man. Not many individuals can say that. So when you think of your time wearing the green and white, what does your mind automatically skip forward to and think of? We just heard your uh, Indianapolis Colts story, the Peyton Manning uh, interaction that you had. What's the thing that comes to mind for you when you think of your time with the green and white? Well, I'm sure you'll see a... You know, it's kind of the same story here. It's always your time with the guys, you know, like your teammates. Mm -hmm. A certain play or a certain game doesn't typically always stick out. It's always your time you spent with your teammates. And that's why you see all these alumni with, you know, the Rams and other other teams. Like, it's so strong because that's what's important when you're playing is all, all your teammates. Um, you know, you see your, your buddies from your team and you, it's just like you have that immediate connection and you just, you know, you miss that, you miss that when you're not playing anymore. Um, so honestly, that's what I would say. Obviously the great cup was an amazing experience. You know, unfortunately I didn't get to play in it, but I was still very much a part of that experience throughout the week in practice and, yeah. you know, always pushing the defense, uh, trying to give them the best look I could, but. Uh, that's that's all it is, man. Is is the time that you spent with those guys preparing, uh, even when you weren't preparing and you're just hanging out outside of football? Like those are the memories that you really hold for the rest of your life. Love it, Jordan Cisco, former Riffle Royal, former University of Regina Ram, and former Saskatchewan Rough Rider, and we just heard it there as well. Spent some time with the Indianapolis Colts and, uh, and Peyton Manning down there in Indy, Jordan. Thanks for your time, man. Appreciate it. All the best to you going forward. For sure. Thanks for having me. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. 555 inside the Sports Cage. 
And this day in sports history is brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln on the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. Let's go back to May 10th of 1970. Bobby Orr scores one of the most iconic goals in NHL history. 40 seconds into overtime, giving the Bruins a 4-3 victory against the St. Louis Blues. A four-game sweep in the final and their first Stanley Cup win in 29 years. And yes, that's the one with uh, Bobby Orr diving through the air. You see it on a lot of uh, walls across North America, I'm sure. So uh, we got a couple minutes left here. Home stretch. Well underway in the Maple Leaf and Florida Panther game. No score after one period of play in the Florida Panthers. They're on a power play. So the Maple Leafs, they're hanging on by a string. They're just hanging on right now. Uh, we shall see what happens in this power play. But uh, it's not looking good for the Maple Leafs right now. Kind of been watching it off and on. And uh, we shall see. Of course, they're facing the elimination tonight, the Toronto Maple Leafs. One more loss. And then that's it. Their season is done. And uh, it's not the case tonight for the Edmonton Oilers, but it will be another step in that direction if they were to lose again tonight at home against the Vegas Golden Knights. The Knights up two games to one. Puck drop for that one at 8 p.m. So it's an exciting night of hockey here in our country. Two big hockey games. And I'm sure, Blaine, that you're going to be going home, maybe ordering some Western pizza. I've had Western... I'm not even kidding you. I've had Western pizza... Let me count. One yesterday with Ballsy. I had it on the weekend. I think I have, uh, I guess that's only two two times in a week. That's still pretty good, but uh, it's going to be an exciting night of entertainment tonight, my friend. You know who's a big fan of Western Pizza? It's my nephew. Mm-hmm. He actually, he lives in Martinsville, so he doesn't get to go to one. Like we had the, when we went to Calgary, oh. we had to stop in Kindersley. Oh. For some Western pizza. So it's like a big time treat for him. Oh, yeah. Like every time he's down to Regina, he loves Western pizza. It's like the equivalent to some of those fast food places. I'm not going to mention them on the air because who knows? They don't sponsor the show. I'm not going to give you free pub. <laughs> but there's a few uh, fast food restaurants when you're down south, you kind of think to yourself, ooh, I can't wait to get there because I'm going to wet my whistle with a. Uh, yeah, the taco. I'm not going to name the taco place, but maybe you can guess. <laughs> well, that's all part of those NFL trips we're talking about. Oh, eh? yeah. That's, that's, what, that's part of it, too. Yeah, that's part of the planning. And uh, also goes into where you book your hotel. You always want your hotel to be beside a nice uh, uh, taco place. Maybe, <laughs> um, maybe I want tacos tonight. It's not Taco Tuesday, though. It's Wednesday. But uh, cannot wait to get on home and uh, watch these games tonight. It's been an exciting day, of course. It was the first day of Riders Rookie Camp today up there in Saskatoon. And we had uh, Matt Dean live on the airwaves today. Third round pick from the University of York or York University, I think is the proper way to say that. But uh, it was uh, great to have Matt Dean with us on. And tomorrow on the Sports Cage, I believe we are going to have Brian Cox Jr. on the Sports Cage. Michael Ball will be back in the big chair tomorrow alongside uh, myself and uh, Blaine Wyland and myself will be back in here on Friday before uh, Blaine heads on up there to Saskatoon. And uh, I hope you have a good time up there, man. Oh. Saskatoon, it's going to be hot. We, yeah. We're talking about the weather to kick off the show today. It's going to be like plus 30 degrees. 
on on Sunday. So a lot of water to be drinking on that sideline. Yeah, play, for some of those players, it's you know probably they're used to that kind yeah. of weather from down south. Do you deal with heat very good? I I don't like heat. I will uh, I, give me an overcast day anytime. I'm man. okay with it if I'm by a body of water. <laughs> yeah, where you can hop in the lake. Yeah. All right, sticking around. Zinger at night. Uh, Zinger at night is coming up next after the six o'clock news. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the Sports Cage on six twenty CKRM. Today's sports cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.